Everybody, welcome back. This is Larry Wilmore, and you're listening to Black on the Air, our end-of-the-year show, you guys. This is it. 2020 for Black on the Air is over. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, it's the day after Christmas. I hope you guys had a nice Christmas um, and are having a nice holiday season in comparison to the year that we've had, or let's say, I hope you're having a quiet one at the least, but no, seriously, I hope you're having a good one. Um, doing all you can being safe out there and spending time with family and all that kind of stuff. Hope it's going well. I thought I'd end the, end the year with kind of a, I call it a kind of a special episode. Um, so when I was a kid, I really wanted to be an astronaut and I found this story about a man who was supposed to be the first black astronaut in the 60s. His name is Ed Dwight. And I have him on the show today. And we talked actually last week. <laughs> we talked. This is the longest pod that I've had. I just couldn't get enough of talking to him. He's such an interesting guy. So that's coming up. Really special. But the other part of the special year end is I'm having back in the pod my daughter, Lauren. Lauren Wilmer. Hey, Lauren. Hi, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, for those of you that listen to the pod regularly, you know, uh, b- both Lauren and I, although Lauren in particular loves languages, she um, studies languages and she studies about language, too. You know, and we talk about language all the time, ever since she was a little. Her brother's like that, too. We we all like talking about language. We're just fascinated with it. English being one of the most fascinating languages. And uh, <laughs> Lauren's like, eh. Maybe. Okay, what, what's, what's a real fascinating language? There are so many, though. But I would say at least a language that has tones is yeah. pretty fascinating. As like Chinese. Like Mandarin Chinese, yeah. And yeah. yeah. Uh, Lauren spent some time in China last year, and we talked about Chinese. Uh, I'm still sucking the nega, nega, so I don't know about that. I will pass right now. Um, but today, we thought, in the spirit of the holiday season, Lauren is going, we're going to have, I'm going to have a discussion with Lauren, she's rolling her eyes right now, about a very famous Christmas carol and the lyrics to it. And it's interesting that these lyrics are changed. Let's talk about that right now. Lauren, take it away. Yeah, so I'm sure many of you are familiar with the Christmas carol, Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas. Um, I feel like the lyrics that we hear the most often are the revised version, which was actually first sung by Frank Sinatra. Um, okay, well, let's talk about the original first. Um, yeah. Not to interrupt. But the original was sung by Judy Garland. Yes, in the musical Meet Me in St. Louis. Meet Me in St. Louis or St. Louis? Meet me in St. <laughs> Louis. Oh, okay. Well, you, you guys, if you could have seen Lauren's face when she looked, she's singing that. Oh, okay, God. so uh, uh, Meet Me in St. Louis. Judy Garland, and the the original song was meant to be kind of sad. It's kind of looking back, right? Exactly. It's at the point yeah. in the show when it's everyone's dramatic. really sad, and they're yeah. like, you know what? Everything sucks, but let's have a Merry Christmas now. Okay. And then, so that had some lyrics, and then it was changed to be what? It was changed to just be a bit more joyful so it could just be a more neutral, happy Christmas song. Mm-hmm. And I, I looked it up and it was actually Frank Sinatra that asked for them really? to change the lyrics. Yeah. So he was the first one to, uh, I believe he was the first one to record this new revised version. And now that's what everyone records. That's what Buble recorded. Yeah. And and most of the time when you hear the song now, you hear the change version, right? Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So let's go through the lyrics. 
Uh, do you want to go through the old lyrics first, and then we'll go through the new lyrics, okay? I, I was kind of thinking of doing a side-by-side. Sure, go, go for it. Yeah. Learn. You know what? <laughs> Take it away, Lauren. Okay, great, great, great. <laughs> so we have the first stanza. This part is the same. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. Let your heart be light. In the revised version, um, in the revised version, we have from now on, our troubles will be out of sight. Whereas the original lyrics are next year, all our troubles will be out of sight. So the revised version is everything's good now and it will continue to be good. Whereas the original is, it's kind of bad now, but you know what? Next year. Next year. Okay, so, so do that sight. again. So so how does it sound now? Now it's from now on. Okay, but do the first part of the song. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. Let your heart be light. Mm -hmm. From now on, our troubles will be out of sight. Okay, got it. That's how it is now. Yes. Okay. And then, and it's the same with the next stanza. It's the same shift between the two sets of lyrics. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. Make the Yuletide gay. From now on, our troubles will be miles away. That kind of implies that they're currently miles away as well. Mm -hmm. And that from now on, they will continue to be miles away. As opposed to next year, all our troubles will be miles away. That has the, the subtext that currently this year, our troubles are not miles away. They are right okay. here with us. So in the original, instead of from now on, it says next year. Exactly. In both the first and second stanza. Okay, Lauren, I'm going to ask you to do a big favor. Can you just sing the first part of that both ways? Do it the original way and then do it the second way. Would you do that? Okay. So we have, have yourself a merry little Christmas. Let your heart be light. Original, next year, all our troubles will be out of sight. Versus, I'll sing the second stanza for the revised version. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. Make the Yuletide gay. Revised version, from now on, our troubles will be miles away. Wow. So that is a lot different. The So the from now on is more comforting, but the next year, I, I what, it, the, what would be the, the, what word would you use to describe that? Next year puts everything in the future. From uh -huh. now on literally has the word now in it. It makes uh -huh. it more about the present and the continued future. But the I want to get to the bridge and the final stanza because that's where the real shift happens. And that's where you really feel the poignancy of the original lyrics, I okay. would say. Let me ask you this before you get to that. Mm -hmm. Do you know why it was changed? I, I looked it up and I believe Frank Sinatra just wanted more joyful lyrics. Mm -hmm. A lot of these um, pop standards that are jazz standards were written for musicals and made sense in the context of these shows. Mm -hmm. And then when they were taken out of the shows, Sometimes the lyrics stayed the same because they could still just be sung on their own. And sometimes they shifted just a tiny bit so that um, they could be sung in any jazz context outside of the theater. So this is a, a situation where, although Ella Fitzgerald recorded the Judy Garland original lyrics. So that's interesting. Go on, Ella. <laughs> okay. But anyways, I want to get to the bridge because this is where it's really interesting. Okay. So the I'm, I'm going to start with the revised because that, that's what people are more familiar with. We have, here we are, as in olden days, happy golden days of yore, period. That's a statement. Faithful friends who are dear to us, gather near to us once more, period. Okay, sounds pretty straightforward. Yeah. Notice the present tense. It's just taking in the scene. Here we are. This is lovely. All our friends are here. The original lyrics, once again, as in olden days, happy golden days of yore, comma, faithful friends who are dear to us will be near to us once more period. That is a full statement in the bridge. It's not two separate, you know, statements describing the scene. It's saying, 
here's what's going to happen next year. Once again, just like it used to be, all of our friends will be near to us once more because they're not with us right now. So it's only, it's like the difference between a period and a comma changes the meaning of the stanza as well as the words. So it's kind of a run-on sentence. Once again, as in olden days, happy golden days of your comma, because the sentence is still going, faithful friends who are dear to us will be near to us once more, right? So it's trying to finish its thought. Yeah. And then the other one, here we are as in, uh, is it olden, is in olden days, happy golden days of your period. That's a period. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, that's, that's the statement, it. right? That's all it is. Yeah. And then the final stanza is what, like, is really emotional. Okay, wait. Okay, before you get to that, can you sing these, <laughs> these two first? <laughs> okay, okay, sure. So um, the uh, the revised lyrics are, Here we are as in olden days, happy golden days of yore. Faithful friends who are dear to us, gather near to us once more. Versus... Once again, as in olden days, happy golden days of yore, faithful friends who are dear to us will be near to us once more. Wow, that that actually gave me goosebumps listening to the second different. one. Different, and it hits different in 2020, okay? And we haven't even gotten to that parallel yeah it, it really is a song for 2020 in many ways that this has been a year <laughs> and uh the song is saying just wait just wait everything's gonna be okay mm-hmm. as opposed to kind of everything's just, great everything's great now wow yeah but no you the, really feel it in that stanza and yeah. i like the way you phrased it the original is just wait everything's gonna be okay the revised is Everything's great. Merry Christmas. And and those are two different songs. They're two lovely songs. The revision is a fantastic revision because you can't tell that it's changed. The rhythm fits. Everything fits. It's a great revision. It's just a completely different song. And you can really, really see it in the final stanza. So Okay, let's go for it. So we have, in the revision, through the years we all will be together if the fates allow. This is the only moment of doubt in the whole revision. They kept in if the fates allow. Hmm. So even though it's like, we will all be together. Well, okay, fine. If the fates allow. That's the only moment of hesitation in the entire... Like, oh, we'll, we'll, we'll see how you play your cards. Fine. If you play your cards... Maybe right. we're not 100%. We're 94% right. sure about this. And then the famous line, hang a shining star upon the highest bow, which is completely different. We'll come back to that. And then the conjunction and... Have yourself a merry little Christmas now. Okay, now what does that mean? Hang a shining star upon the highest bow. What do they mean by that? They're just talking about decorating a Christmas tree, put a star up at the top of the Christmas tree. They're literally just, they just threw that in for it to rhyme with allow and now. And it's just decorating a Christmas tree. Okay, let's go to the other one now. Whereas the original, instead of through the years, we have someday soon, we all will be together if the fates allow. Notice that that moment of doubt in if the fates allow hits different when there was doubt at the beginning, someday soon as well. So you're bookending that phrase with doubt. Someday soon, hopefully we all will be together. But if the fates allow, they may not allow it. Yeah, the first one through the years will all be together if the fates allow almost sounds like, you know, if you're not busy during that yeah, time. Yeah, it's more of a throwaway line. <laughs> yes. Whereas the first one really shows how much it's up to fate and how much we cannot control if we will be together someday soon, which, again, is hitting in the pandemic. 
when will we be able to gather with our loved ones again? I don't know. It's a lot more doubt in the first one. It's like this may not work out the way. Doubt. It's all about doubt, you guys. Okay. And then finally, instead of, or second, penultimate, instead of hang a shining star upon the highest bow, we have until then, we'll have to muddle through somehow. Isn't that a crazy difference? It's a completely different line. You have, we're decorating a Christmas tree versus everything sucks, but you know what? We're just going to have to get through it. And then here's, here's a really interesting difference in one word. So we had hang a shining star upon the highest bough and have yourself blah, 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 blah. In the original, until then, we'll have to muddle through somehow. So have yourself a merry little Christmas now. And what's so interesting about that one conjunction that's different is the revision is kind of just two different cute things. Let's decorate the Christmas tree and Merry Christmas. You know, like it's kind of just back and forth. (laughs) Right. Let's hang that. Oh, by the way, Merry Christmas. Whereas the until then, we'll have to muddle through somehow. So therefore, and this is the thesis of the song, have yourself a Merry Little Christmas keyword now because we honestly this song is about hoping for next year but we don't even know if next year is going to be great so all you have right now is what's in your control and what is in your control is to have yourself a merry little christmas now it is fascinating to me how in the original every word is important there are no unimportant words and in fact the power of the word now at the end of that is so important. It's irrelevant in the other one. You could end it on have yourself a merry little Christmas. Now it's just who cares? Have it now, tomorrow. But now is so important in the in the original, right? Absolutely, absolutely. And I would say the rhyme from Fates Allow, Muddle Through Somehow, Merry Little Christmas Now, just all three of those thematically, everything is up to fate except for what is in your control. And so the the fact that the rhyme carries through that theme as well is just really, really nice in the original. Okay, so here's what I'm going to do, Lauren, because you've been so nice about this. <laughs> uh, rather than sing these two, if you could sing just the original Judy Garland, the whole song for us, then that'll be a nice way to end it, okay? Have yourself a merry little Christmas. Let your heart be light. Next year, all our troubles will be out of sight. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. Make the Yuletide gay. Next year, all our troubles will be miles away. Once again, as in olden days, happy golden days of yore. Faithful friends who are dear to us will be near to us once more. Someday soon we all will be together if the fates allow. Until then, we'll have to muddle through somehow. So have yourself a merry little Christmas now. 
That was so beautiful. Thank you so much, Lauren. Um, Lauren Hi'ilani, <laughs> one more, you guys. Uh, Lauren, you're tearing it up on TikTok right now. Tell everybody your address. or Oh, my God. Why are we plugging my TikTok yeah, on your pocket? All right, folks. If you like Avatar The Last Airbender in Hamilton, mm-hmm. at Lauren Hi'ilani, L-A-U-R-E-N-H-I-I-L-A-N-I. Thank you, Lauren. I'll be right back with Ed Dwight. Anything else? Happy Kwanzaa, everybody. Yeah, see, she keeps it 100 right at the, <laughs> <laughs> at the last. Okay. okay, thank you, Lauren. Love you much. Okay, bye. We'll be right back with Ed Dwight. This episode is brought to you by Hyundai. You're a powerhouse of a person balancing it all. Work, life, family, podcast. And your ride should be no different. The 2024 Hyundai Sonata Hybrid is a powerhouse of a sedan that meets all your needs. With the sleek front end, plus stylish interior, an available 12.3-inch digital instrument cluster, and seamless tech integration. Okay, Hyundai. Visit HyundaiUSA.com to learn more about the new 2024 Hyundai Sonata Hybrid. This episode is brought to you by Kia's first three-row all-electric SUV, the Kia EV9. With available all-wheel drive that sets the pace and seating for up to seven adults. With zero to 60 speed that throws you one moment and available lounge seats that unwind you the next. Visit kia.com slash EV9 to learn more. Ask your Kia dealer for availability. No system, no matter how advanced, can compensate for all driver error and or driving conditions. Always drive safely. All right, welcome back. Uh, Guys, we got kind of a, I call this kind of a Christmas treat for right now, kind of for myself. I was, here's what you have to know. And I told you this before. Really, I wanted to be an astronaut when I was a kid. And I, as I was saying before, I consider my generation kind of the moonshot generation. (laughs) But it's what I wanted to do. And I thought I knew everything about space. And recently I saw a story that I didn't know. And I was so, I was almost kind of ashamed of myself for not knowing this story. The story of a black astronaut, the who a man who was to be the first black astronaut, and it didn't happen. And worse than that, I felt like history didn't give it its due. But history's finally given it its due. Yeah. Yeah. There was a special on the Smithsonian Channel earlier this year, and of course, he wrote a book himself, "Soaring at the Wings of a Dream." He was a former Air Force pilot and the first African American to be in the Air Force training program to go into NASA. Ed Dwight, welcome to Black on the Air, Ed. Well, thank you, thank you, thank you. I really appreciate it. Thank you. It is an honor to have you on here, sir. I really appreciate uh, this. I'm saying, sir, knowing of your history in the Air Force, I'm trying to be respectful. Oh, uh, yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But your story really moved me. I was watching, you know, I'm a, I've been a space junkie, you know, for so long. I've, you know, I was really, I was a young kid during the whole moon landing. I remember my heart being outside of my chest and I always followed that. It was something. I saw that and wanted to be part of that and everything. But it's interesting oh. at the time, I thought it right. wasn't available for for blacks, exactly. you know, yes. Dur- yes. during yes. that time in the 60s. And mm. I wish I had known, I was too young to have known your story while it was happening. And when I look back, it feels like it was almost kind of erased right after it happened, which is kind of interesting. So I thought, well, let's talk to Ed himself and get this uh, this full story. And I know it, uh, well, let's start from the beginning. You're from Kansas City. Is that where you're from? Yes. Yeah. 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 Kansas City on the Kansas side now. Yes. There's a difference. (laughs) Exactly. On the Kansas side. It's like Kansas City, Kansas. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, What what year were you born? Uh, 1933. 1933. What was it like 
growing up in Kansas City, Kansas during that time, especially as a young black kid, well, what, what was it like for you? Do you remember the world around you back then? Oh my God, yes. I was kind of a precocious kid, and uh, and we lived on a, a kind of a farm I saw on, on the outside of town. Yeah, it was really really exciting. My dad's family was from Dalton, Georgia, mm-hmm. and and my dad at that time that I, I was uh, born, he was playing the, in the in the Negro National League, uh, Baseball. Wow. And so he uh, yeah, he, yeah he played for the Kansas City Monarchs. And, wow, uh, that's like the you know, arguably yeah. the the most uh, legendary team yeah, from back then. Yeah. You know, it was really fascinating because you know yeah. I used to sit on Sasha Page's lap. Wow. In uh, uh, the dugout, and uh, yeah, and of course I I was uh, I was a bad boy for 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 them when when Jackie Robinson was playing second base for the Monarchs. Yeah. You know, he was twenty two, and uh, and uh, but uh, but my I had a really really rich. Uh, a mm. life uh, because living on a farm, I was, I was outside of town, and I didn't get, yeah. I didn't get that city stuff. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. You know, we 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 grew everything on the on the little farmlet and um, killed all the hogs and the chickens. And, <laughs> yes, and all that stuff. Uh-huh. I was really lucky to have the kind of mom that I had because uh, with dad being gone uh, almost year round, see, because they, they played in in the summer leagues, but also dad played in the winter leagues down in the Caribbean. And yeah, so they he, were playing. He, they were playing Cuba back then too, right? Uh, oh, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, and so I, in the beginning, I never saw much. Uh, uh, never saw much of my dad. I was mm-hmm. my mom, but my mom. I was so tiny. I was really. Little, oh, <laughs> really? Tiny. Oh, funny. yeah. I was a little tiny. I'm only five foot four now. Do you have uh, any brothers and sisters, or yeah, how many yeah, 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 yeah. I was surrounded mm-hmm. with women. They had four sisters. <laughs> oh, that's great. That's great. Oh, and you so, were the. You were wait. Where were you in this? Were you the oldest, the youngest, in the middle? Yeah, I was second to the oldest. Uh, oh, okay, and, okay. So you weren't so, you weren't so, the baby where they were like treating you like that. No, yeah. no, no. Okay. Uh, and and so my mom got worried because I was so tiny that she said, you know, I'd better develop this, the thing between these guys' ears. That's uh, so you know, uh, and yeah. so she started me in school at two, got my wow. lab record at four. Uh, but but the thing I got from her, we would go on walks to the airport and I was the Fairfax. We, we are butted up against the Fairfax airport pretty much just about mm-hmm. maybe a 10, 15 minute walk to, to the airport. Mm-hmm. And, and and on the way there, she would tell uh, me and my older sister during this time about all the flora and all the fauna and mm-hmm. what the. Poison ivy versus other sure. girls, and I mean, all of these things. Yeah. And and she would at night talk about orbital mechanics. And later on, wow, I got, uh, yeah, she was on. Uh, she was talking about the orbits of uh, of the moon and uh, and how Earth orbited the sun and all. Was she just into astronomy, or was she? Uh... No, uh, no, I, I I was flabbergasted to the extent later on. I mean, at the time, I I just took it for granted, but. Uh, a Fairfax airport had a 60-foot-long fish pond that mm-hmm. during the summertime, they stocked it with every, all these different fish. She would identify every species of fish in that water. And I, oh. like I said, I took it all for granted at the time that mm-hmm. she was doing all that stuff. But, uh, but she kind of widened our perspective about mm-hmm. what life was all about and what nature was all about and, 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 uh, and uh, how you know, the moon orbited and uh, yeah. all, all of this stuff, you know. And and I I starting at school at two years old, I, I had this propensity for art, uh-huh. and I was drawing, and, and so I became the the class artist in kindergarten, wow. and 
the class artist in elementary school and I was yeah. a school artist when I got to high school. <laughs> right. And and now and was your dad like, well, he's not gonna be the, the next pitcher for the monarchs, that's for sure. He, he <laughs> was, no, he was no he was really disappointed. He was yeah. really, really disappointed. Wow. And you were the only boy, you know, right. the other girls. Oh, oh this is my and promise. He's gonna follow me. The whole deal, man. And uh, uh-huh. and so and so mom, uh, you know, kind of doted on she kind of doted on me and she taught me how to yeah. I did all the all the shopping for the for the house. She taught me how to uh-huh. veggies and do all this stuff. I helped slaughter the the the, the hogs and and my deal. Yeah. We had chicken every Sunday, there was chicken every Sunday thing, and I had to go yeah. bring the chickens and eggs and wow. Such a world back then. Yeah. Uh, I had this fascinating responsibility, and on the art thing, I, I started. I did my first oil painting when I was eight years old. Uh-huh. Uh, she she got me a library card when I was four, uh-huh. and between the library and the airport were my two hangouts. And she, I was always gone. I get used to get whippings because when Dad got home, when he, you know <laughs> when he when, when he was in town, you know he was gone all day, and I I got my butt beat. You know where were you where were you all day? You know. And I and I was in the I was in the library, and since I wanted to do this art thing, I I, I read all about the Renaissance art, uh, and I opened up a sign shop when I was fourteen, and and got my first car when I was fourteen from my from my uh, from my income. From you were my, like this uh, Renaissance man before it was even a term. Well, you know? yeah, you know, but you know, I just took it all. I just sucked it all in. My grandfather yeah. was a junk man, and uh-huh. I got this propensity for uh, working with metal. Because right. we had a, a horse and a mule, and we'd go all over town and with this wagon, and I'd jump off the uh, uh, the thing when he spied something that was that he yeah. wanted to rebuild, and we take it back, and uh, uh, and 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 he taught me all the rudiments of metal work, and so you had both a mechanical sense and an artistic sense. You had yeah. both of those, which yeah. is really kind of unusual uh, to have mm-hmm. both of those—that right side and left side of the, the brain. Right. Yeah. yeah, exactly, and. and but I was constantly making things, right? Uh, you know, all the kids in the area there, we mm-hmm. lived kind of out, out of the way a little bit, but uh, uh, everybody would get a pair of skates. And mm-hmm. within a short period of time, maybe uh, a month after, they throw them away because they get, you know, they would just uh, they would lock up. They would, fit, yeah. yeah. And right. I would gather up all these skates and I would take them apart yeah. and put the, the front part on a two before the back part and make scooters out of them. Right, and, right, right. And, and so, and so they would run around with these scooters, but they do these scooters all year long, where they would they wouldn't skate. So, so I was making all these things and making cars out of orange crates, and it was just bizarre. Were you in an exclusively segregated world at that time, or did you have any white friends? Was there any in your area? Was was there the start of any of that, or was it exclusively segregated? No, no, no. We didn't move downtown until I was twelve. Mm-hmm. And so my world was my dad's family who lives across the street, you know, okay. and uh, a lot of conflict between my mom because my mm-hmm. dad met mom on the road uh, playing baseball huh. and, uh, she, and she was highly educated. And yeah. uh, but but she was fascinated with this black ball player, you know, and mm-hmm. and, and, uh, and and her ancestors are from Austria and they all look white. And they're oh, they're all passing for white and, and Sioux City, Iowa. <laughs> yeah. So she comes down. And all of a sudden, she's inundated uh, oh, yeah. with his black she, family. Oh, Georgia, yeah. She, There's a lot of talk. Been- <laughs> I can hear the other. I know exactly what's going on. There's a lot of chatter going on about that. Yeah. yeah. And, <laughs> and my dad's brothers were all derelicts. Yeah. Oh, except one. Uh, the youngest one was not. He, he grew up to be okay. 
but yeah. but all the rest of them were derelicts, uh, oh, and uh, and one of them died at 28 from an oh, 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 overdose of of, of speedballing, uh, yeah. cocaine, heroin, and all that kind of stuff. And so there was a lot of conflict between mm-hmm. my my mom saying stay away from because they lived across the, uh, the the lane, the street there, uh-huh. and and there was all of living in this one house. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the, them and their kids, everything, all living in this single house. <laughs> and, and my mom said, don't go over there, you know. <laughs> well, no, I, I couldn't wait to get over there. With <laughs> 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 all the conflict that was yeah. going on. And, and, and they would send messages because they thought my mom was, was a white witch that was that was wow. sent there uh, to, you know, to, to, to antagonize them in the midst yeah. of their lives. But it's interesting that from the beginning, you had kind of these two things going on in your life, this love for education and learning and like the science and that. And then you also had your dad's side was kind of about fame, you know, and being out in front of the public. And it's interesting that your life intersected on those two in those two ways later on. What was really ironic to me about it was because my dad wasn't a very warm and cuddly guy, you know, because Mm -hmm. he. Yeah, he was the oldest of the family. Yeah. And he his baseball, he dropped out of school in 10th mm-hmm. grade, go play baseball. Mm-hmm. And so all the money that came in for that, because no, nobody worked. That was his way of taking care of the family. That was during the Depression and all those times, too. Right? Totally, yeah. totally. Right. You had to make some money. Yeah. The the conflict I was having on the inside is on a Sunday baseball game at Blue Stadium. Mm-hmm. And, and he would take me to these games, you know, and I would I'd be in the dugout. Yeah. And to see... 20,000 people screaming right. and hollering. And wow. when, when, when the guys get up, just go to bat, you know, they yeah. would just, uh, and, and each one of these people had their own idol, you know. And yeah. it was just and what people don't wrong. realize, what you're talking about too, like Joe Lewis had that with, with black people back then, was the, mm-hmm. the ability to have heroes, you know. Right. Like blacks, we weren't allowed to have heroes. And when we got a chance to have heroes, they were sports heroes at first. Right. You know, it was huge. The release of emotion, you know, to be able to be around other people and and just be able to yell for your guy. That that was a huge thing back then, right? Oh, it was the thing. And I was fascinated with that whole idea of why these people did this, how these people did this. And here I was able to look on the inside of one of those guys that went up to bat. Uh, you know yeah. what I mean, uh, and, and so Very as a result of that, I I got this this this, this admixture of of, yes. of getting glory, yes, uh, and, uh, and, and 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 then uh, later on it, it it came to me in a different way. Uh-huh. Uh, I was so small. Uh, we were Catholics, and and uh, yeah, and, I'm Catholic and we, also. Yeah. I went to Catholic schools, and mm-hmm. and and on the way to school. I had to pass to public school and I'd get my yeah. butt beat every day. Yeah, yeah, and I'd, yeah. I'd go back home and when my dad was there. Well, because you had to wear a uniform, I bet, too, right? Uh, yeah. And so they'd make fun of you wearing the uniform, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think they got to because I was so small. You right. Know? And, 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 day, and yeah. they would mum with me. Those, those Catholics, we're like, we got to kill the Catholics. The Catholics are bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah you know, they, right. you know, the Catholics are going to come and get us and stuff. Uh, and, and so, as a result of that, I started boxing in the, I started boxing in the ring, and I, I, I was a, I was a prize fighter for five years. Wow! I, I was that during those. high school? You did uh, that? Yeah. How? Yeah. Wow! Yeah. So yeah. interesting. Yeah, uh, and I uh, 
And, uh, Were you good I, at it? I, I lost my first fight, and and I never lost another one. <laughs> oh, okay. So there you go. You did pretty good. I was a Golden Gloves champion in 1951. Wow, Golden Gloves champion, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, and so I had to get dispensation because I was playing football and running track in high school. People mm-hmm. can imagine just a tiny guy playing football, but I uh, I, I played halfback on the football team. Mm-hmm. So I had to get dispensation from the local school system to, to do two sports because you yeah. can't do a, do two sports in Kansas City. Uh, and, and, so, uh, and so anyway, I started boxing in the ring. So now yeah. I, I'm beginning to get, uh, uh, we had a black paper. at When I was nine, my mom told me, uh, you know, you've been sitting around your butt long enough. To, you got to bring some money in here. So wow. She, you know, she was she not getting around. Me. Uh, yeah, yeah, and so she gave me two paper routes, uh, uh-huh. one for the black paper with the Kansas City Call, and one for the white paper the Kansas City Kansas. Uh, uh-huh. And so I'm boxing and uh, and getting my name in the paper every every Friday yeah. for, for, for for my boxing feats. And then I got into high school and, and I played. Uh, 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 Mom uh, decided that. Uh, when we moved downtown, we moved one block from the only black high school in the state of Kansas, Sumner High School. Mm-hmm. And so and so when we went downtown, Dad opened the restaurant. So now we got this restaurant one block from Sumner yeah. High School where all the kids gathered. And, and of course, I was doing soda jerking and doing all that kind of stuff you know, in, so in, in the restaurant and stuff like that. I want to give people a sense also of when you talked mm-hmm. about the one black newspaper, so because some of this is a history lesson for a lot of people too, mm-hmm. that there is yeah. a network of black newspapers around the country yes. where black people got the news about news, yeah. the black community. Yeah. You had right. the Chicago Defender, you had right. the Sentinel here in Los Angeles, you know, you had, mm-hmm. uh, and it was this whole network, and it was it was something to. I mean, look, if you got your name in the white newspaper, you got you probably killed somebody. Right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> but if you did something good, yes. you, your yes. name was in the black yes. newspaper. Yes. You know? <laughs> exactly. You know, because yes. uh, you know, they could have positive stories in there. It wasn't just, you know, the negative uh-huh. thing to get into there. So it was something mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. to be in the have an awareness in black journalism. So, of course, you're impressing all your friends, you know, and all that well, stuff. What that did with the black newspaper, it hooked mm-hmm. me into the whole black community yes. uh, in, in, the, in the section that I was in, because I was, uh, they, the, the publications were mostly in Kansas City, Missouri. Mm-hmm. And so we had that small publication in Kansas City, Kansas. And, and I probably had maybe about, maybe 40, 50 customers, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the typical paper and all that kind sure. of stuff, you know. And uh, uh, so, <laughs> Um, anyway, uh, in, in 1947, uh, 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 mom started the project in 1943, mm-hmm. where uh, she didn't want us to go to, to the black high school because mm-hmm. she wanted us to go to the Catholic high school. Sure. And the Catholic high school was obviously all white. So right. mom started in 1943 uh, writing the school to say, you know, I got these two kids and they're Catholic mm-hmm. and they want to go to, I want them to have a Catholic education. And they said no. And so she kept writing. And so mm-hmm. she wrote the Holy See in Cincinnati to see if oh, they yeah. could do something about it. And they said no, it's a local problem. So my mom wrote the Vatican. Wow. <laughs> and the Vatican forced his school to integrate. They ordered wow. this. <laughs> Your mom wrote the Vatican. Yeah. yeah. And the Vatican said <laughs> they had to integrate. Yeah. That's so fantastic. 
It's crazy. <laughs> and here's another hidden story, though. I mean, God bless your mom, because as you say, oh God, I'm so happy that we're talking about this. You know, of course, schools were segregated then, and you had to accept whatever the accommodations were at that public school. Some were right. better than others. Not all black schools, just because we were black, were bad, by the way. There were, right. there were many good teachers. Oh, no. Sumner High School was a, was a top-rated high school. Exactly. The, the fact that it was separate didn't mean it was bad, you know. And there were many great black teachers and administrators that worked in the oh, schools. Oh, man, that, the best. Yes, that, that loved education and loved learning. So I, I, I want to disavow people of the thought that these must have been horrible schools or whatever. That's not the case. It was more about the justice of being able to be right. in whatever school you wanted to more right. than anything else, right. if I'm saying that correctly. Right. And But having said that, of course, there were places where that wasn't the case, you know, where resources weren't as good. And Catholic this is interesting to me because I'm Catholic and my father went to Catholic college and went to Catholic high school in the fifties. But, um, the Catholic school, there are many blacks that that was their private school. They were able to go to Catholic school as their private school. You have uh, the DC area has a lot of Catholics in that area. And there are many different areas where Catholicism kind of was the gateway to blacks getting into private education. Right. Well, I find it fascinating because the, the school had an enrollment of 850 just the idea of me coming out there, their population dropped to 550, 300 yeah. kids dropped out, uh, you know. And, and of course, the, what they were worried about, the uh, Bishop Ward High School was the, uh, they had a lot of feeder schools because mm-hmm. tons of Catholics in Kansas City, Kansas, uh, because of the ethnicity of the people that came over from Europe. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so and so they were and Bishop Ward High School was was a feeder. I mean, they, I mean, these schools were feeders for Bishop Ward High School, and they didn't mm-hmm. want me to be there because they're going to lose all the students. Yeah. But but it, but it turned out just the opposite. I was on an honor roll. My sister was on an honor roll. Yeah. I was I was running track and and putting Bishop Ward High School on the map. I ran up one off the football because I was trying to. I had this ambition. I was going to be like my dad in some kind of way yeah. to show him that I could do athletic stuff too. So, sure. and so I went off the football and made the football team and started running touchdowns. And all of a sudden, I'm I'm this little black hero, and I'm not one of them. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, mm-hmm. uh, and you know, and I was on the National Honor Society and and all these things that you don't spend. My sister was on the Honor Society. Uh, you know, and so all of all of these things all culminated into I'm, I'm still boxing in the ring. So the yeah. sort of white paper is covering me and the white paper is covering me from from my football uh, uh, feats and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. I, I I had this really kind of rich uh, high school. Uh, uh, you had so much. Yeah. So much life that happened to you before yeah. even your next yeah. step, which was interesting. So, right. But you yeah. decide to go into the Air Force a couple of years later. What made you want to go into the Air Force? Why, well, why did you make that decision? Well, uh, in walks the, the call paper, the black newspaper. Uh, this is bizarre. What had happened? Mom got me this uh, library card when I was four. Mm-hmm. And and I was interested in studying all these art. So the white library or the black library? Oh, this is, okay, you bring that up. We <laughs> yes. went to the, uh, my mom looked like she was white, by the way. Right. And so we went into the public uh, library on Minnesota yeah. Avenue and she wanted to get a library card, and, and the woman said no, because we can't do library cards uh, of colors. And so she looked at my mom and asked my mom, what are you doing with that little brown are you Are you, uh, are you babysitting are you him? You know? She yes. said, no, he's my son, you know. He said, well, we, we just can't. We don't uh, give library cards to, to colors here. Right. So, you know, so, so, But there is a library 
over in Northeast Junior High School. They have a library. So mom and I marched over to Northeast Junior High School uh, and get a library card. And they said, no, because he's too small and he'll tear up our books. Mm. And she says, no, uh, he will not tear up your books. So he knows how to read and da, da, da. And so she, and the mom told them, I'm not leaving here without a library card. Wow. Uh, and so I walked away with this library card and became one of their best customers. Mm-hmm. And I was either in the library or the airport, uh, uh, you know. But right. in 1941, I was I was I was eight years old, and uh, the war started, and and all of a sudden they turned this airport that I was going to every day, mm-hmm. uh, working with the mechanics and fixing airplanes, and they and they actually gave me money for cleaning out airplanes for their for their hunting trips, and mm-hmm. so I was getting uh, you know I was getting money from that. And they had placed in this library seven manuals, training manuals on Army Air Corps, training mm-hmm. manuals. So my interest in airplanes kind of piqued my interest in these books. So I just took them all and yeah. checked them out. And I started reading all, everything about flying, uh, aeronautics, lift wow. and drag and rip weather and everything you yeah. can imagine. And at the end of every chapter, there was a test. And I could just kept taking these tests over and over again. Mm-hmm. And I had been doing this all from the time I was eight or nine years old, all the wow. way through high school. You were training yourself to be in that Air Force environment. No, I, I, I was yeah. not doing that. I was fascinated with it. Yes, I but I'm saying no, unwittingly you were doing I, that. You I, didn't I, even realize I you were doing that. Yes. no idea that they would let wow. blacks fly airplanes. Of now, course, I didn't know anything about Tuskegee Airmen at that time, right? I, I, I just didn't yeah. have the foggiest notion. Sure. That I would ever fly an airplane, okay? Right. Uh, I picked up my call paper, uh, my paper route, when, when I, was, I, mm-hmm. I was now in junior college. My dad had talked me out of being an artist uh, and going to engineering <laughs> school. Uh, okay. yeah. So now I'm in engineering, in engineering school. Okay. And I picked up my newspaper, and on, uh, above the fold was a black pilot from wow. Kansas City, Missouri, standing on the wing of an F-86 Sabre jet. Yeah. And he had just got shot down in Korea. Yeah. And I says, Oh my God, there's a fly. Oh, I just uh-huh. couldn't believe it. So, so I went down to the recruiting office to, to get the, to apply for pottery. Yeah. <laughs> and the guy kicked me out. He said, First of all, you stutter and you're too short, you know. <laughs> uh-huh. And so I, I wrote the Pentagon like my mother wrote the Vatican. Wow. I wrote the Pentagon. And so the Pentagon sent this team out to my college where I was going to school. And I was the first one in line, naturally. Uh-huh. And, 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 they, and they sent 33 of us to Denver. Uh-huh. And so and we come out here to take uh, the test for pilot training. Yeah. I sat down to take this exam, a uh-huh. two and a half hour exam. And at each test that they gave us was was exactly the same test at the end of each one of these chapters. Yes. I was studying for yes, years, for years, and, yes. I, and I finished in about twenty minutes. And I went up there, and, and the guy said, "Is it too tough for you?" Huh? I said, "No, I think I might have missed one or two. I'm not sure." Uh-huh. And and and, and I he's like, up, "What?" I, I missed two. I, I, and this guy calls my mom. He calls my school and says, "We have a genius. This kid is a genius." <laughs> <laughs> That's great. You had all no. of this prepared. So then you you get into the Air Force. And what's the Air Force like then? Your Air Force training. Were you were you the only black at that time? Were there other blacks in there? Any uh, 
what I did, you know, you I didn't know anything it? about I didn't know anything mm-hmm. about the military. I mean, yeah. you know, did, just saw the war. Series. And it, it was during it was right at the end of the Korean War when you when you did this, right? No, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At the end, right at the end exactly. of the Korean War. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know anything about the military. Sure. I didn't have. I didn't know what it meant. I didn't know about structure. I didn't mm-hmm. know about discipline, and I didn't right. know about being orders, and I didn't know. I didn't know any of these things. Mm-hmm. So, so they gave me a pilot training class that started uh, like in December. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I decided, I said, maybe I ought to go join the Air Force uh, the boot camp and go to boot camp. So I'll know something about what this military is like by the time I get into pilot training. So in, in August, I volunteered to, to go in as an airman, just as a regular to be a PFC or Amherst mm-hmm. third class or whatever they call those sure. things. Uh, and, and I joined up and, uh, and I was the only one in my class that had any college at all. It was 37 mm-hmm. of us in this, in this deal. Uh, and I was the only one that had, had any, uh, uh had any college. Yeah. And, and, and all my records were shown that when I got in that I, I was, a pre-pilot. I was going to be. A, I was going to be a pilot, mm-hmm. and and so this guy calls me in. This uh, 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 sergeant, uh, Sergeant David. He calls me in and he says, "You know, you're the most educated, you know, kid I've got in this whole flight. Yeah. Uh, uh, but and you're very, you're really sharp. So I, you would, I would normally make you the flight leader of this whole flight. Uh-huh. You're black, and you're short." And they won't follow you. These crazy. I love that the short thing keeps coming up too. How how tall are you? Or or should I'm five foot four. Five four. Okay. (laughs) I mean, you you could star in movies at five four. (laughs) (laughs) Put you at a great. That's so interesting. It's not just black, but you're too short to be the leader. (laughs) It's like, have you guys ever heard of Napoleon? For Christ's sake. (laughs) Right. So, so, so he says, so what I'm going to do, he says, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get a tall white boy. This is like, it's not going to be as smart as you are, yeah. but you'll be his uh, number two guy, but you'll, you'll actually yeah. run the deal, but you'll run it through him. Yeah. And so that's what we did. I, I forget Steve's last name, but he uh-huh. and I became buddies. So we, we had to run around together. Yeah. And, and it turns out that I, I was the only one in the whole flight that, that, that could march 120 steps a minute. Yeah. So now they said, so what you're going to be, you're going to be the number, uh, number two flight leader and, and you're going to, uh, you're going to be the right guy of the flight. So we, yeah. as a matter of fact, we won uh, a, a flight competition there while, while I was there. And did you have a pretty good career uh, for a while as a, in the Air Force? Did you enjoy oh, being in the Air the, Force? Oh, it's phenomenal. Mainly yeah. because, see, because most of uh, uh, in the enlisted ranks, there were hardly mm-hmm. any you know, uh, uh, college kids in there, you know, sure. so white college kids go to OCS or they, right. they do other things, you know. Yeah. Uh, and so where I was in the very beginning, I, I was, I was head and the shoulders above these guys, yeah. these kids that I was around and, right. and everything. And I, I, I left home and I didn't look back. I mean, and mm-hmm. like when we go down, these kids are crying all, all night because they went to the city of mommy and all this. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was a totally bizarre experience. But yeah. I, but, I, but I went off to pilot training and then I was mm-hmm. a, I was a flight leader and, yeah. and a, a class officer all the way through. Yeah. And then you became a test pilot. There was a lot of fascinating things prior to that time. You know, I was mm-hmm. a flight instructor. My first assignment, I was a flight instructor. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, and I was always trying to do things. Uh, I, I saw, I, I would look for holes in things. Give, what I mean by that, 
we were training uh, uh, pilots from Iraq, Iran, India, uh, all the Nordic countries, of course, Italy, and uh, and, and they would always assign. We, we had three students for class, and they would always assign me these guys from the high countries, and I was and I just watched. And these white guy, uh, white instructors were watching these brown kids out just left and right. Uh, you know, and I went to Captain Joseph. I said, you know, there's something wrong here. I said, why all these brown, uh, you know, dark-skinned guy, you know, black wasn't in them. Why all these dark-skinned guys are oh, getting washed out? And I, thought, I, I said, why don't you give them to me? He said, wait, well, you know, this is out of your lane. You know, this is your business. I said, well, I, I, I just feel uh, it's kind of ridiculous. Something's going on wrong that these guys, these brown kids are going home. And I said, why don't you just give me a chance? And so he said, okay. So so I, I, they gave me all the kids, Iraq, Iran, and all the dark skin. And I started graduating these kids. Wow. Yeah. And, and, you know, and it had to do with, it was only communication. It didn't have anything to do with their flying skills because they right. could fly. But, yeah. but what, what, what would happen, these white guys were really, really impatient with them, you know, turn left, turn yeah. right, do it, up, do it, you know, uh, you know, and, and these kids didn't get it on the first, on the first yeah. go around. And, uh, and so I, I saw what was happening and it was totally, uh, it was totally communication. And so I started graduating these kids, you know, yeah. and, and so, but those are the kind of things. So everywhere I went, uh, I, I left there and went to Japan. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, the shark thing comes up because they yeah. were flying uh, the, in Japan, you can fit right in, you know. <laughs> no, 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 what happened over there in this unit, uh, in the unit they assigned me to when I got there, uh, they had they had killed seven pilots uh, within the last couple of years flying in this airplane. So they came to the conclusion uh, that, and all these guys were under 5'8". Are you talking about accidents? Is that what you mean? Yes. Yeah. Uh, you okay. know, and, and and all these guys were that they got killed were under five yeah. eight. Mm-hmm. So I'm five four, and I go walk in there. Oh, I think I'm five four and a half by the end. Yeah. <laughs> but I walked in there, and he said, "Well, you can't fly because you're under five eight. I said, "What are you, what are you talking about? Well, we're flying an airplane where the rudder pedals, uh, if you're short, the rudder pedals come together." Mm-hmm. Rather than the, than the rotor pedal coming straight back, so you can reach them, mm-hmm. that the knob in the middle, and they, and then it came together. And the closer they came together, the, the least leverage that you have if you're in, mm-hmm. the, in the two engine plane, and 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 they start losing control. They saying because they couldn't uh, manage it uh, uh, because the rudders were so close. Yeah, together. they're not going to give you a booster seat. You know, right. <laughs> uh, well, you, you can have a booster seat, and I, and I carried mm-hmm. one most of my Air Force career. By oh, way. that's funny. Yeah. <laughs> I was saying it as a joke, but there you go. Yeah. But anyway, uh, I, 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 they made me the aide de camp to the general of the base uh, because you know, and so now I'm dealing with the head of, of the whole deal, and, and I'm his aide de camp, and I'm seeing him every day, and, and I'm watching, and I'm looking at life. From a total leadership position, I'm looking at command position. I'm I'm the, uh, sitting to the commander of the base, and I just kept beating on him. I said, "I, I want a mission. I want to fly." Uh, and and I, uh, he got tired of me nagging him, so he gave me a, he gave me a crew, and he gave me the other brother on the base, uh, Tom Blanchett, for six four. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm five That's four. Tom is yeah, six four. He was a navigator. Yeah. Uh, uh-huh. <laughs> And so, and the navigators don't have any control yeah. of the airplane when they're sitting in the back seat. 
Right. And now every day, Tom and I would go to the play, and he, he called me a name. He said, "Man, if you kill me today, I'm gonna kill you." <laughs> yeah, that's great. My uh, my ex father in law uh, was a navigator in the Air Force in the in oh, really? those days. Yeah, yeah. Um, Al Jones, same. Well, well, one of well, well, Tom and I won one one bombing competition, and that I mean, I mean, that'll tell you something. Yeah, you're not kidding. This episode is brought to you by Hyundai. You're a powerhouse of a person balancing it all. Work, life, family, podcast. And your ride should be no different. The 2024 Hyundai Sonata Hybrid is a powerhouse of a sedan that meets all your needs. With the sleek front end, plus stylish interior, an available 12.3-inch digital instrument cluster, and seamless tech integration. Okay, Hyundai. Visit HyundaiUSA.com to learn more about the new 2024 Hyundai Sonata Hybrid. This episode is brought to you by Ugg. Y'all know Ugg is a brand that athletes wear all the time in the tunnel and on travel days. Well, I bet you think Ugg season is only during the colder months of the year. Oh, contraire. You're wrong. You need to check out the latest spring drop from Ugg. They have everything from sandals to clogs. I like the sandals. Ugg has you covered for your next spring adventure. Shop the Golden Collection at Ugg.com. Okay, so let's let's uh, get into your astronaut training years. So how did that come about? How did you first, let, let me set the scene for everybody. So we're in the late, first of all, the late 50s, the Russians launched Sputnik and it becomes this worldwide global sensation. We're suddenly in the space race. The United States realizes that, hey, we got to do something about this. We can't let the Russians get ahead. And this, the the race into space happens. The, was it the original seven? Um, the Mercury Seven yeah, uh, right. astronauts are chosen. People like John Glenn, Gus Grissom, right. those guys, and uh, they become instant national heroes. You know, but right. we're exactly. definitely behind the Russians in our space effort. At the same time, on the Earth, we have the civil rights movement, which is bubbling up, and there's a lot of pressure on Kennedy at this time uh, to communicate with people like King and some of the leaders. You know, and Demo- his party at that time was very divided with your Dixiecrat Democrats, you know, and the yes. progressive side yeah. of the party. Oh, yeah. So Trump, there's, there's a lot of changes going on in the country mm-hmm. at that time. A lot of people, for the first time, coming to terms with with black people in society and not just dealing with them in a segregated world. So that's yeah. that's that's the setting the table for where we are. We've mm-hmm. already had the first group of astronauts, and now there's. There's more astronaut training that's going to happen. And it was Kennedy, I think, who wanted to have a black astronaut as part of that group. Is that correct? Well, it didn't quite work like that. You know, what it really happened, um, Kennedy needed a black vote. Uh, you know, he actually only wanted 100,000 votes. Yeah. And and the way the story goes, uh, uh, he, did, he didn't know Dr. King. He was definitely afraid of Dr. King, by the way. And he didn't know any of the black leadership or other world Wilkins, none of these people that wasn't in the game. And so what he did, and this is the way the story goes, and I was uh, I was told this, uh, he called Harry Belafonte up. It was it was a, supposedly the only black person that he knew. It's probably not true, but uh, and asked him could he deliver the black vote because he needed it to beat Nixon. This was in 1960. Uh, no, this is 61. We moved. It's a, it's a 61. Okay, uh, 61. So he's thinking about his re-election you're talking about. Yeah, no, 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 six, no, Well, in 60, he ran against Nixon yeah. just to go mm-hmm. back. Yeah, so that was yeah. in 1960 when he ran yeah. against Nixon. Right. Right. So supposedly he called Harry Belafonte and asked him could he deliver, help him deliver the black vote. 
And right. so, uh, and so he, he was so I can't do that, but I hook you up with people who can do that. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, they'd supposedly had a meeting, uh, with, uh, Roy Wilkins, they thought Randolph and mm-hmm. Dr. King and Whitney Young and, uh, and Farmer, I guess was the, was the other guy. Uh, and, and so, and they all got up to Kennedy, Senator Kennedy, then and said, this is what we want. And each way had their, had their old deal going. Mm-hmm. And, and Whitney went up last and he opened by saying, you know, uh, you know, we're having trouble getting our kids into white colleges. We've been doing some studies. And if, uh, if a black kid had an A average, and he applied to MIT or Purdue, these schools that make astronauts, uh, uh, they were downgraded to a C. So mm-hmm. these kids would never get in. So he came up with this idea that we don't need white colleges. The heck with them. We got four military academies. And, and if you let me fill these military academies up with these black, smart black kids, and the colleges can't turn them down for their graduate degrees. Mm-hmm. And so the question was, how do you do this? Uh, you know? And so Whitney says, make me a black astronaut and just <laughs> give them to me. And, and, and of course, Dr. King was dead set against that. I mean, no way. No, uh-uh. So you be, and, and Dr. Dr. King, King was against the idea of a black astronaut. Oh yeah, are you kidding? Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and he says, well, "What good does it do to have some black guy on a Wheaties box? <laughs> we got people. Well, we got people that can't eat in restaurants and can't yeah. do this and can't do that and being discriminated. We don't want any black heroes like that now. We ain't got mm-hmm. time for that. We we have to deal with the masses, yeah. and and so because if we do that." What, what, what would they say to us? Oh, well, we gave you an astronaut. So yeah. get away from us with all this. We're stuff. done. What more do you need? You got yeah, a black well, man in well, space. Yeah. Right. And so, and, and, and so the meeting was over uh, for, uh, for almost a year. Hmm. Uh, Whitney was calling the white house and hmm. interfacing with these guys. Uh, what have we just promised you made me to make me a black astronaut? What happened? What happened? Yeah. And so, so now it's, it's 1961, okay? Right. And, uh, you know, a year later, uh, uh, I get this letter in the mail, November uh-huh. 4th, 1961, asking me if I wanted to be an astronaut. Wow. <laughs> and I, I thought it was a giant joke, man. I said, <laughs> no, I, I, I was stationed. I had a, I had a dream job. Uh-huh. I was stationed I was, I was north of San Francisco. I was flying five airplanes. I was on fast track. They promoted me to captain early. Oh wow! You're on your way to general, right? Oh man, I was I was smoking, and and I was working on the wing staff. Yeah, Uh, and I'm dealing with I'm I'm doing the the general's four o'clock briefing. But by the way, history would be made by you becoming a general, also. Uh, Hello, Uh, you know, and I was promised that. By the way, (laughs) you know, if I stay there, is it you know, Dwight, you're going to be a general. And yeah. these get they just the senior officer were fighting over my services because wow. you know you know somebody told me once uh, well, you know find something that your boss doesn't like to do or doesn't have time to do mm-hmm. and go do it for him. Oh, that's smart. Don't, that's really don't smart. screw it up. <laughs> that's great. I love that. I love these military rules. That's great. You always got to be you got to suck up to your boss, but you can't do it where it looks like you're sucking up to your boss. You know, and, yeah. and, and so you think the boss would be upset about your 
you know, doing these things, but yeah. it turns out that the bosses are not upset. Yeah, the boss doesn't want to do it. Yeah. yeah, the boss doesn't want to do it. And that was my that was my mantra. So right. these guys were fighting over me. These senior officers were fighting over me to be their aides and stuff, man. And I get this letter. Uh, oh, and no. I thought it was a joke, of course. And yeah. so I went to my commanders and 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 and, and I at, uh, to the senior officer. I said, what do you think about this? Uh-huh. And, and every <laughs> one of them yeah. said, leave it alone. He said, Dwight, they're going to make uh, mince meat out of you now. Oh, man. Uh, you know, so don't do it. Those guys are in a different service than we are. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's totally fraternal. You're not going to break the code. They're not going to let you in the club. So stay away. You're going to be a general if you stay here. And wow. So don't go anywhere. Okay. And, and my mama got involved. <laughs> in this thing. Is she and writing another talking- letter? Is she writing another letter? <laughs> <laughs> she Who's she writing a letter no, to now? Mr. No, Kennedy, we got to talk. Yeah. No, no. What, yeah. what happened was she told me all about uh, all the needs of, of the black community. Yeah. Uh, you know, how I could help with the black community. I helped them rise above and yeah. I could do all these wonderful things as role models. She told me all this mm-hmm. stuff, you know. And as the, we told the gathering there, I wasn't into that, man. Yeah. I, I I was into, uh, you know, everything military. Um, mm-hmm. And I was flying all these different airplanes, you know. And I yeah. was the only guy on the base who was flying five airplanes, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and it, was, it was just a dream job. And I was I was driving into Cal Berkeley, working on my master's in nuclear engineering. Wow. this is And this is in 1961. You have this life. And it's like, it doesn't get better than this. And then this letter uh, no, really. changes everything. I mean, it was absolutely phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, you know, and it was, a, it was a dream job and a dream place. I could go into San Francisco anytime I wanted to. Uh, it, it was just, uh, you know, and I'm hanging out on the, on the, on the Cal Berkeley campus uh, mm-hmm. with Dr. Wexler, who was a Nazi, by the way. Wow. And, you know, he, he, was my, he was my advisor. And, and, and uh, you know, and so I had, I had this going on, man. Mm-hmm. And I knew I was. I know I was in place. And, and did your mom, to... did your mom sway you? Did she change her mind on it? Yes. Yeah. Uh, it's and, interesting and... how your mom had a different view. I, it was interesting to hear you talk about King's view because his was more pragmatic because he's right. in the movement, but your mom right. has a different view because she's not, she's not doing a Kingston. She's thinking about it from a more of a global perspective of how it just means to the norm, to the average person and totally. not trying to get legislation. And but. Both sides have a point, you know, but right. it's funny because I kind of fall on your mom's side where the uh-huh. inspiration that happens out of that, you can't buy that. You know, it's, God, hello. it's the no. Obama president type of thing. You know, right. when you, you're doing something that feels like a closed door to everybody at such an exalted level, too, which is it, it's interesting. You didn't see it that way, though, at the time. No, right? oh, hell yeah. no, no, man. And, and I, I was. Uh, you know, at the time, I, I think I was in my own head, probably. Oh, and sure. I, and, I was, yeah. uh, and, and I, I wasn't thinking about uh, being, being a national hero and with all the other problems I saw that I could see because I, I was so militarized mm-hmm. in my views about things. And, yeah. and that's just, just where I was, you mm-hmm. know. Yeah, and, uh, and, and it had to do with getting things done. Uh, being a service, uh, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I would come up with these things like we were doing a 24 t- hour, what they call chrome dome missions, where the, mm-hmm. the airplane would take off and they would fly for 24 hours over Russia. Right. Uh, and I knew where all the targeting was. I was in the intelligence and all that yeah. kind of stuff. 
And so, and so we, we had three crews because it, since they were flying 24 hours, we have a full eight hour shifts. Okay. Mm-hmm. And they all had to be sitting up in chairs uh, in, in these uh, 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 seats uh, waiting on their turn. Mm-hmm. And so I came up with this brilliant idea of taking some room on the B-52 and making cots and beds out of these same thing, you know, like they're doing trains, mm-hmm. you know. Sure. And, and so I designed that. So I had to fly the B-52 in order to, uh, in order to uh, you know, to get all, 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 the, all that whole thing worked out. Yeah. And so, and, and he, I got praised. I got, I got awards. I was always getting an award. Yeah. Every other month I was getting an award for doing something. Uh, you wow. know, and so the whole idea of leaving that, uh, yeah. because I had control over that, going into mm-hmm. something that I had absolutely no control over whatsoever. Sure. Because and I didn't the, understand R&D research and development. I didn't understand yeah. how these guys operated. And, and everybody in that system is all independent and mm-hmm. self-promoting. Because all, right. all these guys want to be stars, you know, like Jaeger yes. and all these guys. You know? Right. And so I said yes. Uh, and I set my stuff in. Right. And four days later, the Air Force does not operate that way. I took my transcripts and sent all that stuff in, man. And not a month later, not six weeks later, four days later, I get this thing from the Pentagon saying, we're sending you down to Edwards for an interview. I assumed that was going to be Maybe ten mm-hmm. of us, right? Minimum five statistically, because you want one, you know, point five. Yeah. And, and so I, I go down there, and I, I meet with yeah, you're gonna meet with all these generals and stuff like that, mm-hmm. and they and they give me all this, ask me all these totally innocuous questions mm-hmm. that had nothing to do with the science of uh, mm-hmm. space or anything. You know, uh, uh, like, uh, what would you feel like? sitting on the top end of a smoking rocket, would you be afraid or not afraid? It's like a psychological uh, yeah, questionnaire. It was nuts. It was yeah. nuts, man. Uh-huh. And so uh, I, I went back, I did the interviews, had a flight test, uh-huh. went back to my plane, flew back up to uh, Travis, where I was stationed, 45-minute flight. When I got uh, landed at Travis, a staff corps met me with a flag on it. I mean, it was like a limo, you know what I mean? Uh-huh. Say, uh, Captain Dwight, please follow me. And they took me to personnel, and they had all these papers, all yeah. lined up, all in these rolls of stuff where I was signing my life away. They immediately uh-huh. made me a regular officer. It was bizarre. I mean, uh-huh. it was absolutely bizarre. I walked out of there. And I'm now not a reserve officer anymore. I'm a regular officer. I got all these privileges and I signed up all these things. It was unbelievable. All this happened in the 45 minutes from the time I left Edwards. All this stuff was being done. Wow. So, and and was there, at the time that this happened, was there national reporting on this immediately or did that come? uh, uh, No, that came, you know, that came later. uh, That came later. And and of course, uh, my, my my commanders and the people I was working with, man, they they washed their hands. Uh, I was in the uh, they they did announce it. Then I was in the base paper, and then and mm-hmm. then the Huntley Brinkley guys caught on to this thing, and oh, mm-hmm. it was just bizarre. And it just all happened so fast. It was just yeah. and all of a sudden I'm in this this whirlwind, like being inside of a of a, a washing machine, you know, being mm-hmm. whirled around, and I, and I lost all of my all my credibility because I accepted it. 
you know, really? I accepted the assignment. Oh man, yeah, they, they I accepted the assignment because uh, I was I was their little star. I was their little black star. So the fact that you were going to do this other thing, they were kind of resentful of that. Oh yes, yes. Wow. Yeah, and uh, and naturally they would be because. Uh, no, here I had played my politics right. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I'm on a base where my politics is right, and and I wasn't to them. I wasn't. I wasn't black. I wasn't. I wasn't one of them. Yeah. Uh, you know, to these guys, I, I was not one of them. I was this little special little guy who ran around getting things done. You know, mm-hmm. that that was me. Right. Uh, and so, to, and for for them to miss that uh, and not have control over that because these guys were at, they were actually fighting over my services. And, wow. You know, these were senior officers. And I got pictures to prove it. Uh, you know, all these awards I was getting just mm-hmm. was unbelievable. So now you go into a situation where you become a public figure, you know, because you become the face of integration in space <laughs> in a way, you know. Uh, 1,500 letters a day. So, and this is, now you're getting it. This is the dual nature of it. The black press, of course, goes to town. I mean, you're in Jet, Ebony, you know, all the publications. But the white press picks it up as well in both worlds. You're oh, seeing... no, I, I, I was on cover of magazines all over the world. Yeah. And, so and you become yeah. like a global mm-hmm. sensation overnight, right? right. So I hadn't done, and I had done anything. <laughs> you hadn't done anything. Okay, so this is what I wanted to ask. You, Nothing's happened yet, yet you're, you become this star. So what was that like? And, and you were married at the time. You had a couple of young children i mean what what is the feeling of that is it an out-of-body experience were you not ready for that did it surprise you well the dirty little secret is that the the total out-of-body experience that i experienced was my wife and i were separated at the time oh wow now that would have been a scandal now so uh at this same meeting that i when i went to edwards uh, this is this is gets interesting. Yeah. Uh, and, and the last question was, we assume you're happily married. Uh, and, and I said, no, I'm not. Uh-huh. And they said, well, where is she? I said, I don't know. Go find her. Oh, my Make goodness. Make her an offer. Wow. Tell us what the offer is. Wait, so where was your wife? Where was your wife at this time? No, she was living in a white guy in San Francisco. She had moved out of the she house. Was li- wait, she wait, 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 wait. <laughs> Wait, hold on a second. Your <laughs> wife was living with a white guy in San Francisco right. with her two kids, your two kids. No, 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 no. She left me with the kids. I had the kids. You had the kids. I to- and I she's totally hooking up with the kids. white guy in San Francisco? And right. they said, go get her? Right. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, okay. <laughs> So, <laughs> what do you tell your wife? What do you tell her? And do well, you tell her? Well, well I, I just, I it's like, know, look, I'm sorry to break this party up, you guys, but uh, somebody right. in this room, one of us is gonna, about to be an astronaut, and one of us is about to be back in a marriage. No, I, 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 I called her mother up. I said, where, where is she? And uh-huh. so she told me, so I called her up. And I said, wow. I, I, I want to meet you at, at a coffee shop down on Market Street. So she uh-huh. said, okay. As I told her this 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 pickle I was in, I said, "Well, they they brought for me this, this job, pickle. but I got married, uh, uh-huh. you know." And, and and so she says, "Well," and I, I've told her all about the ups and yeah, downs, and sure. stuff like that. She said, "Okay," she said, "I'll give you a year." Uh, 
And she said, but I want, I want a complete wardrobe of new clothes. Whoa, man, she's making demands. Because I'm thinking, I'm not going to ask you questions about this, but I'm just going to assume the life of an officer who flies five jets might have contributed you know, to this little separation thing. You know, that, that lifestyle, let's just say. Because you, you were a hot shot at that time. Let's just be honest yeah, about that. Yeah, you know. yeah. But uh, so, so your wife comes back, the promise of a new wardrobe, you become this global right. sensation. Uh, right. And so when you start your training, is there resentment from the other people in it that is, I, there may be a racial thing, but is there also a resentment of why is this, why does this guy get all this attention? Was there any of that thing going on there? with the, Absolutely. Yeah. Because anyway, I was going to say, if, if it wasn't the attention part, it might have been a little different in there, I'm guessing. Because, as you know, there's some guys who are going to be assholes or jerks, and there's some guys who are not, you know, probably going to be cool. Yeah. That was an organized, and I think it probably started in, you know, somewhere in Congress, mm-hmm. that, uh, you know, having this black guy, we've got seven stars today, mm-hmm. seven astronauts. That right, the Mercury 7. Had just been appointed two years before this. 1959, but this is 19, yeah, okay. And so now they've spent tens of millions of dollars making heroes out of these guys. Okay? Yes, that's uh, right. You know, and they talked about all the hazards these guys are going to face, yep. the band of radiation belt, mm-hmm. all these things, and these guys were superhuman. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now you're going to take a, 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 a black pilot, a black guy, or a woman, mm-hmm. uh, either way, and elevate the, these guys to their status mm-hmm. by by decree, by just putting the guy's name in the paper, right. and all of a sudden you're making this this guy equal to those yes. guys. Two years later, mm-hmm. Congress flipped out, uh, and you know, House and the Senate, and they divided. and And I, the reason I know this because I was getting mail from them, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and I was getting bad mail as well as good mail, and. Uh, 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 and, the, and the guys in the House, uh, the uh, uh, congressmen in the House were for it, and the, most of the Senate were against it. But they mm-hmm. had to do with fooling around with the tax, America's tax base, mm-hmm. because NASA needed them, all this money. Yeah, they did. Uh, if they put a black person in the middle of this thing, the, uh, the American tax base would go all to hell relative to their science uh, uh, efforts. Mm-hmm. And NASA, oh man, NASA just wigged out. Absolutely not. Uh, and so, and so, uh, so NASA was against this. Oh, hundred percent, hundred percent. See, see, because uh, NASA said we're not social engineers. That that was right. their take. You know, we, we're we're into science, not social engineering. Yeah. Who totally made who made that comment? Uh, they're trying to cram this nigger down our throat or something like that. Somebody made a comment. That happened, and it's attributable to our famous Chuck Yeager. Yes. No, it ended up happening. Yeager was upset because the president didn't consult with him. Because mm-hmm. he's the top ace in the United States of America. First guy through the speed of sound. He's the head of the test pilot school. He's all, all, all these things, okay? And, right. you know, and the man never got out of high school, okay? Yeah. American yeah. hero. He was one of your heroes, right? Yeah, yeah, he, he certainly was, mm-hmm. uh, you know. And so he was upset because he wasn't consulted. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and had he been consulted and, and Kennedy moved him on Kennedy's side and mm-hmm. said, okay, helped his guy, uh, you know. And so mm-hmm. Yeager took it upon himself. Uh, and I'm sure he was moved by, by Curtis LeMay, who was the chief of staff at the time. Right. Uh, at the time. 
Uh, and so Jaeger called. I got down there late because I was doing parades. You're doing Kansas parades. Um, what time are y'all getting together? I got to do this parade. So, you know, right. I'll, check, I'll check with you next week because I got another parade after the first parade. I got a couple parades. I'll be there. I'll be there. Just start. Right. <laughs> so, and so I got that. In the meantime, Jaeger calls the, the staff mm-hmm. and the and, and the students that had got down there early because mm-hmm. these white boys, I mean, they, they get down there two weeks early so they can get, yeah. get, you know, plant their flag. You know, they're very mean? competitive. Uh, yeah, yeah, and uh, mm-hmm. so he called everybody in the auditorium of the test model school, uh, and just you know, uh, and, and this comes from the mouth of somebody that was there. This wasn't mm-hmm. hearsay evidence, sure, but uh, he opened with you know, Washington is trying to cram a nigger down our throats. Mm. And we can't let him graduate. Wow. Because if he graduates, there'll be more and more and more of them coming. Wow. Okay. So Chuck Yeager, who was the head of this school at the time, Um, or this program, you could say, said to the group of people before you arrived, we cannot let him graduate. We cannot let him graduate because what what Kennedy wants to do is turn the whole astronaut corps black. So it makes black people equal to white people. Because right. this is the only uh, point of evaluation we can have today. Mm-hmm. That uh, if, if, if he could take, and he said, "Look what happened to the NBA, and look what happened to baseball." All the all started out with these white guys, and now a number five black guys on the court on both teams. Mm-hmm. And they went through this whole iteration of why they were going to all lose their jobs if mm-hmm. I graduated. Because once that happened, Kennedy's just going to pour them in the same way the sports uh, teams did. Mm-hmm. And so he even told me this to my face. Uh, Did he tell uh, you that uh, to your face? Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, and I talked all the time, by the way. Was, but <laughs> let me ask, okay, let me stop you for a second. Yeah. So, because there's no context for these types of conversations because the world was just different back then. You know, right. people right. have a yeah. different context right. now. So right. here's what I'm going to say that's got to sound controversial. I'm willing, like, did you have, you said you had many conversations with Chuck Yeager. Were some of those cordial? You know, like, was some nice? I mean, what kind of a man was he? Was, did he seem like, I I mean, obviously he was, he was a racist about this stuff, Mm -hmm. but I'm sure he occurred to you in different ways at at the same time, right? You know, Yeager and I would have these knockdown drag out meetings and Mm -hmm. each meet, the the reason for each meeting was him asking me to, to resign. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was, the, the, uh, you know, and so I and some of them were private. Some of them have people witnesses. OK. Mm-hmm. And, and and we would sit down and talk. And, and, and I see, see what, what Jaeger didn't know mm-hmm. was that I was being handled out of the West Wing of the White House. Mm-hmm. And he did not know that. So I was a little cocky. A little did bit, you have direct communication with the White House? Yeah. George Reedy was my handler in the West Wing. Okay. He was an ex-Harvard graduate. And and Whit and Whitney Young and I talked to him on the phone almost every day. Wow. Because he was my guy. You, you were know? on a and whole so different he, level. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so and these guys didn't know that. I mean, I just wow. obviously didn't tell them. Uh so I was I was I was relatively cocky and going to I was not intimidated going to my so, meeting. Uh, well, how would Chuck Yeager how would he suggest it? Was he blunt about it? Was he trying to oh. be like uh cordial about it was he like trying to be persuasive was he trying to appeal well, he, to you you know you know you know you know you know his demeanor was that um uh you know i'm the king of all things uh mm-hmm. i'm the i'm the hot shot i'm the guy you know mm-hmm. 
and and it, it would it would start off and 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 he he would say things like uh, he he walked around with a with a, 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 a you know the ledger size yellow pad tear a page out of that and he had all these names written on it and he folded it up put in his pocket and every time I walk in he and he pulled his paper out and 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 he says uh, Captain Dwight look here like he had this draw southern draw and he says see there. There's 150 white boys' names on there, and they're all more qualified than you are to be here. Hmm. So why don't you, uh, you know you're going to get killed. You know hmm. that. You hmm. know you're going to die. And, you know, and, and Kennedy's trying to kill you. And the reason why Kennedy doesn't mind killing you is because he's done his duty just by appointing you. He's, done, he's fulfilled his obligation to the, uh, to the black community. Just by pointing you. So if you die, that's not his fault. You know? And so every time I go on, he would start off with, with you know. He's trying to save your life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. He was trying to say, uh, you, know you, you know you're going to get killed. You, you do know that, don't you? You know? And then uh, another thing, you know, uh, as you know there's a move uh, for them to put you up in space and leave you up there. You know that? Uh, and so, uh, uh, so on one of our meetings, I said, I see, uh, see, you know, Colonel Yeager, that's a damn good idea. And he looked at me really funny. I says, because my kid's going to go out on the front lawn every night uh-huh. and, and look up at the sky and says, there goes daddy <laughs> in orbit. Every that's night. hilarious. <laughs> and, and of course, it's, he didn't think that. It's uh, not the right stuff. It's the funny. black stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so he, he he would relate to me all of these, uh, you know, and he would talk about how great the, the white pilots were. And, and I, was, I says, Colonel, yeah, you know what? Every street on Edwards Air Force Base is named after a dead test pilot. Hmm. So don't talk to me about how super white guys are, okay? Because yeah. they're all dead and they're all white. Wow. Okay? And so, and we, we'd get in that, that would back him up a little bit. What was what was so hilarious, and you love this one. We'd get up, we'd quit talking, get up, and he'd get up out of his chair and he'd walk around the thing and put his arm around me. Say, yeah. By, by the way, if you need any help, call me. Yeah. <laughs> so here's that's what I was that's what I was trying to get to. I bet, like through his racism, though, even he probably admired you because you were you weren't backing down, like. I yeah. bet there was some admiration, even though he couldn't take it because, you know, <laughs> what's he going to do? How could this black man or this nigra be like, ah, you know, but I, I love how he tried to demean you on the qualification side. Cause even later, I think mm-hmm. in his book, he asserted that you needed a tutor and all these types of things, well, you know, that a, come on, man. I know, of course, we're, we're false, but that's how he wanted to present it to the world to kind of clean it up afterwards you know if he wanted to get rid of me why would he have somebody tutoring me yes exactly it doesn't make sense yeah, yeah. so so yeah. you had how how big was your class was it 16 was that how many 17. were in your yeah. 17. 17 okay yeah. and when they uh so you go through all this training with the guys and mm-hmm. you go through that and now nasa's gonna make the announcement and they're mm-hmm. gonna pick 12 out of the 17 is that what the number was? Well, uh, some of those guys were coming from other sources. Okay, from other sources. See, got it. Yeah, got it, yeah, got it, got yeah. it. So, right, so right. that's how I was wondering how they played it. So 
from mm-hmm. your place, how many mm-hmm. people like the they were going to take my, the top? Yeah, from your training situation. Well, in my class, uh, they picked uh, I think four or five. Dave Scott, uh-huh. Dave Scott, uh, uh, Jim Irwin. Uh, it, was, it was about four or five of them out of my mm-hmm. class, and that right. and that was a class that I was expected to be uh, involved right. in. Yeah. Okay. And, and 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 some of the guys, I I, I graduated seventh out of seventeen. Mm-hmm. And uh, and they but they uh, only picked five and, to come from your school, right? Right. Got and, it. Uh, yeah. But but most of those guys uh, of the I mean some of not most of but some uh, you know some of the guys were foreign pilots um, and, and some of them like Bob Tangy he didn't there were guys that were there that didn't want to be astronauts and they mm-hmm. just they just went there to go to, to get test pilot training you know got it uh, and uh, so 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 out of my class uh, uh, they, they they probably took five out of my class. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. If you're busy like me and you're trying to catch your kids' games, it's important to have somewhere where you can go to find a good hotel. We're all over the place. Sometimes, you know, we're in Florida, we'll be in New York, you want to take the wife on a quick vacation and get away. Whether you're looking for a relaxing getaway or heading out of town to see the playoffs, Hotels.com app has a perfect hotel for every trip. Compare up to five hotels side by side so you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings without having to switch back and forth between options. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. So there's this big expectation for you at the time. And now I think we're in 1963, I believe, when they make this announcement, right? Okay. There's the big expectation that's been building over a couple of years. You've done interviews with people. Like I said, you've been in these magazines. Everyone expects you to be part of this announcement that NASA is making, and you're not. And they even ask, it might have been Deke Slayton at the time, I'm not sure. Uh, what happened to the I Negro? Think it was. Yeah, I, think it was. Yeah. I think it was Deep Slayton. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. What ha- wasn't there a Negro involved? Uh, in no, the no, no, they, a Negro yeah. boy. A Negro boy. Wasn't there a Negro boy involved? Because I yeah. think they're in the South when they're asking yeah. us to. Well, not that that makes a difference, you know. Yeah. And Deke says no, just no. like that. Yeah. And I look at that now, and I'm. It's shocking to me how quickly you were erased, as if right. it never really happened. Uh, what happened to you personally at that time? Did it feel like that to you that it just, they swept you in here to do all this thing? Did you feel like what was going on with you at that time? Okay. Well, and did the wife go back to the white guy? I want to know that too. Yeah. Well, 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 what changed the whole thing was, was November 22nd, 1963. Yes, that's correct. Yes. Okay, and the assassination now, of, our, of President Kennedy. Yeah, uh, so now everything the, 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 that was the, that was a scramble mm-hmm. going on, uh, and so now uh, we, we were in uh, in Seattle going through uh, you know full mission. They had a full mission simulator up, up there where you get in the mm-hmm. spacesuit and, uh, and you go in orbit and you do all these fun things. Yeah, and and, and I was waiting on my turn to to go in and. Uh, one of the guys came in and says, um, "What students, by the way, came into the to the room where we were all waiting and said the president uh, has been uh, assassinated." Mm. And he says something really weird. He said, "I think we got the vice president also." Whoa! And I, and, and I said, "What's this weak stuff?" No, I mean, he, he, this guy verbally said that. Mm-hmm. I said, "You know, that's not funny, dude." I mean, you know, you know. Mm-hmm. About the president getting killed and right. and think we got you know and I and I brought that up. Uh, there there were four Catholics in my class, by the way, mm-hmm. 
And so all all four of all the four of the Catholic guys, you know, kind of were were more of uh, I don't know uh, feeling it, if you will. And a lot of the other guys weren't feeling it at all. They said, "Well, you know, too bad. You know, the guy got killed." So you know, wow. and, and so and so they called the class off, and that that, that was another uh, politic running around uh, because. Uh, Jaeger had told these guys at that same meeting, uh, do not socialize with this guy, do not drink with this guy, mm-hmm. uh, uh, do not befriend this guy, because in six months, he won't be able to psychologically take it, and he'll mm-hmm. quit, you know. And so everybody got the word, uh, you know, leave Dwight alone, don't socialize mm-hmm. with Dwight. But a strange thing began to happen because these, these, you know, these are a bunch of progressive white boys, mm-hmm. and they came to this conclusion that you know Kennedy is going to send this guy into space, and the way they picked these the astronaut guys are from the guys that are down there already. They have mm-hmm. heavy input on which guys back there to take. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, and who, so that's how they, some of these guys got in. Yeah, you know, yeah. because they you know they become buddy buddy, mm-hmm. and so. These guys have come to the conclusion that if Kennedy is going to put Dwight in space, and and I haven't made any overtures to Dwight, you know, say hey, you know, you can be my secret mm-hmm. buddy, you right. know, so I better start, I better start befriending Dwight, which that's what kind of started happening, okay, wow. and so but we canceled all the training, went into the executive dining room, and of course we were expecting. Oh, the 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 head of Boeing, the staff. I mean, I mean, it was places packed with all these executives, mm-hmm. uh, you know, because we were drinking caviar and champagne, and which is what we did every place we went. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And for the first time in, in quite a while, I, I sat down at a table by myself, and all the conversation was, and the next table was, what's going to happen to Dwight? Wow. So, so after Kennedy's assassinated, people are like, hmm. I don't know if we have to be friends with him anymore. What's going to happen? Exactly what happened. Yeah. Exactly. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And, uh, and and so now uh, the bad news is that uh, they canceled. This was Friday. Mm-hmm. Uh, they canceled training. We flew back to Edwards. Uh, I went to work Monday morning, mm-hmm. and we had these mailboxes where our, our mail comes in, and there was a big stack of papers in my mailbox, shipping me to Germany. And I'm wow. still in training, man. And and the, the orders were that I was going to be the liaison officer uh, for the German space program. And, and so naturally, I got incensed because now, two days after this guy did, three days after this guy did, I get all the shit. Yeah, it was yeah. that fast. Wow. And so I so I jumped on a plane. I was surprised they even gave me an airplane to go back there. Mm-hmm. But I checked out a, 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 an airplane and I flew back to Andrews and I called Whitney. Whitney hooked me up with, with Bobby Kennedy. And mm-hmm. so Bobby Kennedy said, you, you're not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, just cancel the order. So he called the Pentagon and canceled the orders. Okay. Yeah. And, and so now, and so I go back thinking I got, well, I got that sale, you know. And, and so uh, that, uh, I got back on uh, uh, th- Thursday morning. So you still thought, the, okay, well, all right, president's assassinated, but you know Bobby mm-hmm. Kennedy is still influential there. You know it yeah, still right. looks like uh, this yeah, is going to happen. Yeah, was, yeah, yeah. At the time, so you think you're still going to be an astronaut, right? Yeah, yeah, right. 
Uh, and so uh, that Friday, uh, uh, I went to work <laughs> again, and they had a new set of orders shipping me to Canada as a wow. Canadian space program. And so, so he had to, he had to go kill those orders as well. You know, so you're not going anywhere. So stop, don't even worry about that. You're not, you're, you're going to be like, we got to get this nigga out of the United States. <laughs> 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 How come we can't do this? <laughs> uh, yeah. And so in the meantime, there, there's a uh, vital concern about mm -hmm. uh, what was Johnson going to do with me. Right. Okay. So I got a call uh, to go to, to, to go to the White House. And uh, I go up, and, and, and General Terry Human is is running this little, little deal. Mm -hmm. uh, and and uh, I said, the President has a has a problem here, uh, Kevin Wright. Mm -hmm. And you do understand politics, I'm sure, by now and everything. Uh, and uh, you know, the President's got to have his own black astronaut because mm. you are a Kennedy man, but. Mm. The president. That gets an ownership thing. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, His uh, own uh, black astronaut. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, and, and so you do understand that. But here's, we want to make a deal with you. You are going into space. Count on it. Okay. The president guarantees you will have a, a space mission. One way or another, you are going into space. But you got to help us. Okay. And so you got to help us find you a replacement. Wow. But you got to go away for three years. What? We don't care where, where, we don't care where you go. And he said, do you have one of them globes that spin around? I said, no. He said, well, you go get one. I want you to close your eyes and, and wherever your finger uh, points on that globe, that's where we're going to send you. Now you're going to get a check every month, just what? like you were in the military. But no more speeches, because uh, I was really heavy in the speaking circuit yeah. at the time. No more speaking, no more pu public interviews, nothing. You, have, you are to disappear for the next three years. They are you erasing you to your face. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Wow. And so, and so, but, but you got to help us out. Uh, the president wants to know everything that happened to you, good and bad, from the time you got that first letter on. Uh, in, in you know November '63, mm -hmm. and so I wrote and said I, we, he wants to know everything, and then he wants recommendations as to what the qualifications is, of this guy should be, mm -hmm. uh, how this, how that, you know, all of these things they've written on all this stuff, and I was to answer that. So I sat down and I answered. I mean, it was a very long letter, you know. Yeah. And uh, and and my final sentence, <laughs> and which which Whitney uh, excised, and I said, in other words, Mr. President, he's got to be super nigger. That's fantastic. I would have kept that in. I was like, no, 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 need that note. In fact, let's put that at the beginning. Let me tell you the qualifications for the super nigger. I would have opened with that line. And Whitney just said that that's not that's not good, Ed. Wow. We can't go that. We can't get into that space. And so yeah. you, I, mean, I got to take that off. So, yeah. so ironically, anyway, Johnson would have said the same thing. So, what kind yeah, of super yeah. nigger do we need in here? Anyway? <laughs> I mean, he probably used the same thing. Oh my god! 
So yeah. you wrote, so you give them that letter. So you, they made you basically be the instrument of your own demise in some ways, you know, or uh, your help. Yeah. Well, well, what ended up happening after that, um, uh, I did. I, I left, uh, I was at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base at the time. Yeah. And they thought I was really too close to power because I was hop, skipping a jump from D.C. Because I was in Washington making speeches right. during this whole period of time. I'm Influential and the right. civil rights movement and, and so, was heating and, and so, up, you know, uh, because you had the March on Washington yeah. that had happened right. in 63. Right. Of course, Kennedy's assassination, a lot of pressure mm-hmm. on Johnson coming up, too. Right. Uh, yeah. So, uh, so, so anyway, what I did, I chose uh, a base, a Holloman Air Base in uh, uh, in uh, El, uh, El, uh, El Maguero, New Mexico, mm-hmm. and, and I could I could get back into fighters because they, uh, they they were they had fighter tests mm-hmm. based there. So, I, so, so I went there. And did your uh, family in, did your and, family go with you? Uh, yeah, yeah. I took my uh, well. Actually, I took my kids to my mom, and my kids were, were staying with my mom at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, so I, I I moved to Holloman Air Base, mm-hmm. and I was nice and quiet down there, and had a wonderful job. My, my commanders had fallen in love with me, and I was mm-hmm. doing flight tests. I was flying four airplanes, uh, and and my and my life was uh, you know just going along fantastic. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was uh, there's a there was a, a big thing that happened right before I moved down there. Uh, 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 there Ebony magazine put an article out. Yes, about, I think I know where you're going here. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, about the troubles of the of the first black astronaut, mm-hmm. and uh, and they had in there, and they never consulted me on the article. Mm-hmm. But uh, it turns out that the, the, the wife and I had finally got the divorce at that time. Mm, sorry. And, uh, and, and I got involved with a young lady that used to work for Ebony Magazine. Mm-hmm. She was a model for Ebony Magazine. Mm-hmm. So she called the Ebony Magazine up and said, you know, I got a hot story for you, but I want $10,000 up front. Ooh. So she never got the money. But mm-hmm. uh, she told Ebony that I had made some statements that President Johnson was racist, and mm. and and that's what they published. So uh, I, I, I was landing. I was in Channel Lake on the test mission in Channel Lake, uh, which is north of Sacramento, mm-hmm. and uh, I was flying on the base coming in, and a whole bunch of civilian air. It was a top secret base, man, and it had all these civilian airplanes down there. I said, "What the heck is going on?" And so I landed, and and the commander, the admiral, the commander for the Navy base. He got on the plane. He says, I, I, I command you not to get off this airplane. Oh. And I said, what, what's going on? I don't know what's going on. What do you mean? Mm-hmm. He says, uh, you go to any Air Force base, just just start the plane up and get out of here. Mm-hmm. I said, first of all, I'm out of fuel. Uh, and I had to refuel. And I said, but I'm not going anywhere. Uh, and, and he said, I'll order you to stay on this airplane. I said, well, I'm going to defy your orders and get off this airplane. Mm. And I got out of the airplane, walked out, and they had all these cameras set up, microphones set up. And I got grilled by the press that, uh, did you call uh, President Johnson a racist? And did you uh-huh. do this? And did you? I said, the Ebony Magazine. I didn't even know there was an Ebony Magazine. Or I had no idea. Uh-huh. I hadn't heard of that. Uh, and, uh, and so the, uh, the, the commander got in his limo and drove off and everything. Uh, I went back to the BOQ. And I said, well, maybe we ought to uh, shut the uh, mission short. By the time I got to BOQ, I went to my room, 
and it was Secretary McNamara on the phone. Mm-hmm. And he says, uh, Kevin Dwight, the president is so proud of you, just, he just doesn't know what to do. He said, you, you handled yourself so well and you defended him so well. I mean, he, he's, the president's really proud of you, okay? Mm-hmm. And we gotta get you back to the White House as soon as you, we possibly can. Uh, uh, so the president can talk to you and all that kind of stuff, and mm-hmm. uh, you know. So I had that looming sitting in the background with this Ebony Magazine article, and I got I got some hate mail, but most of the mail I got was you know because all this time I'm I'm getting inundated with mail, no matter what, man. Yeah, <laughs> this went on, yeah, uh, you know, and it, it got up to thousands of mail letters a day mm-hmm. from all over the world, man. It's yeah. just absolutely unbelievable. So, but in the meantime, I'm I'm down at Holloman. Uh, and, uh, and so, and so next thing, you know, uh, uh, I was, uh, my crew chief, I went to down to the crew, uh, down to the, uh, flight line. They had a, a test mission, went down to the uh, flight line and, and my, pi- my little crew chief, little 18 year old black kid, he was crying. I said, Whoa, man, what's going on? He says, uh, 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 uh Dwight, uh, three men came down here yesterday and all dressed in black. And they uh, took me into a room and offered me, asked me, would it take more stripes on your sleeve or money to fix uh, Kevin Dwight's airplane so it wouldn't come back? Oh. I, t- I told him, I said, that's not funny, kid. He's, and the guy was just crying like hell. I said, that's not funny, I'm scared. Wow. I don't know what to do. Wait, so some gentleman dressed in black. Yeah came up to was this a white kid no he's black kid black kid what right. would it take for you to fix his plane so he can't mm-hmm. come back right wow and so he, the kid starts crying man i'm going to say oh man you know you know i said oh, what do i do i said just don't do anything i'll take mm-hmm. care of this so i went down to the flight line uh and i said i'm not flying today and say, well, well, we got to put you on report. I said, but do whatever you have to do. They said, are you sick? I said, no, I'm not sick. I'm just not flying. Mm-hmm. So I left there and, and went to my office and I resigned. And I, I sent the resignation in. It, it, was, it was called Twixes back in the day. And I had mm-hmm. to submit it to my personnel. But my general, I said, you know, this is crazy. You know, you're, you're one of my best pilots. I mean, yeah. you know. I, Who do you think ordered that? Where do you think, do you know where that came from? Or did you never find out? Do you have any ideas? Where, who did, because somebody, people just don't walk up and say that thing. Somebody, somebody had to order that. Who did that? No, you know, I totally agree with it. And I don't know whether it was, uh, you know, whether it was done by consensus or just how it was done. Well, somebody ordered uh, that. Yeah, well, well, what they did, uh, I, I sent the thing in and one hour later, it didn't take a, again a week or a month. One hour later, I got a, my commander got a Twix back, uh, ordering uh, the guy to, uh, to prepare me to to be indicted uh, for insubordination. They had a whole list of things, breaking the chain of command, and uh, and the uh, result was twenty one years in a stockade. What? And so, uh, yeah. Once oh, yeah, you oh, said yeah. you were going to leave, which is what they want, by the way. Now. Yeah. They feel like you won't have the protection of the White House or whatever. Yeah, right. And, and, and so, so they can just throw the book at you. Right. For being so, an uppity and, nigger, and, pretty much. Yeah. This is what these charges are. Insubordination yeah. is uppity nigger. Yeah. 
right, right. And uh, and and so uh, I had to get lawyers, and my base commander was on my side. And so so we had this uh, call from the Pentagon, uh, you know, trying to resolve this uh, whether mm-hmm. I was going to go to the stockade uh, uh, for twenty one years. Mm-hmm. And so my base commander said, "Look, this guy's one of my best pilots. Mm-hmm. If he goes to the stockade." He's going to be handcuffed to me. Wow. And I'm going there with him. And if he's going to be there 21 years, I'm going to be there 21 wow. years. And so they started negotiating. And, and the, so the first thing was uh, bad conduct discharge, loss of all, you know, how that thing goes, the whole, loss of privileges, uh, hmm. never, the whole range of things. And, th- and this guy's got a big speaker up there. And I got the lawyers in this room and the, and the commanders and stuff in, on my end. And they got these, one is it just one guy that apparently that that was doing these things as well? You, you know, the, the guy's got to be stopped, uh, you know, because I was making speeches and doing all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And he says he's got to be stopped, and he's going to he's going to jail, uh, you know. And so, uh, and, and so, so my commander uh, negotiated. He kicked us all out of the room, but we could still what was going on because it was so talking was so loud. Mm-hmm. And and, uh, and and so he said no. He, he uh, they they don't want me to vote anymore. I lost my voting privileges. What? It just went the whole, went the whole gamut. Uh, and, and so anyway, the my commander said, "What we'll do is we'll start uh, something to spill the beans and make this whole thing public." Yeah. Yeah. If you guys don't back off and yeah yeah. So he said, "Okay." So here's the deal. He's got to be off uh, of of your base within seventy two hours. He is never to enter a government building for the rest of his life. Uh, and it, it just, there was a whole bunch of things. What year is this, by the way? 1966. This is six. Oh, God. 1966. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, and so, so I had to give my furniture away. I couldn't clear the base. You know, you normally give you 30 days to get your business straight, you know, and I had to give away my furniture. I, 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 got, I just took my awards <laughs> and all of my personal stuff. And, and I, I had a Volkswagen wow. and, a, and, a, and, a, and a Mercury, uh, a, a 61 Mercury. And I hooked a Volkswagen on the back of a Mercury. And, uh-huh. and I just put all my personals in the, in the Volkswagen, loaded up and, wow. and drove to Denver, Colorado. Uh, and, uh, and it was all <laughs> over. You're in Denver, yeah. and it's all over. You're no longer in the military. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, you know, uh, you know, things kept coming back because there were guys with grievances that that were trying to, uh, you know, post prosecute me uh, because the deal was, uh, I had gone to the White House. I was running around with senators, and and you got to go with the way the military chain of command. And in essence, they were really right. Uh, uh, but you got to go through the chain of command. You can't just talk to a congressman. You, sure. you got to go through the chain of command for right. every one of these meetings. Well, I was orchestrating these meetings. Mm-hmm. I was being ordered to Washington, D.C. for all the meetings that I had with these senators. My yeah. own senator, uh, Carlson, was, uh, I mean, I knew all these senators. He took me, mm-hmm. uh, he, I made it all 100 senators and the whole mm-hmm. deal, you know, during my heyday, uh, right. you know. And, and I didn't orchestrate that. Right. I mean, that was orchestrated outside of my purview, but they but they had recorded all the stuff, and uh-huh. they had recordings of all the Twitch messages. Uh, they had tapped my phone for the time I walked on Edwards Air Force Base. They tapped my phone, yeah, and they had uh, they had all that uh, all, everybody I talked to, 
every letter that I got, uh, I, I got I, unknowingly, I probably got half of the mail because the senators were writing, yeah. Congresswomen were writing. They intercepted, yeah, yeah, and they, uh, you know, and uh, and so and so they had all that against me, man. Yeah, and, uh, so, and so that's what they used, to, you know, to get me off the scene. Wow, uh, and of course they didn't, they didn't even think about astronauts for twenty years mm-hmm. because the next group were, were you know twenty years from the time I got in that thing is before they took was, any activity. Well, there was one as there was one person who was in training and he died in training. Yeah, yeah, Bob Lawrence. Bob as Lawrence died fact, in training in nineteen sixty eight. Yeah, fact, I, I, yeah. I, I kind of unwittingly helped uh, uh-huh. uh, recruit him uh, because uh, uh, I, I told him that. Uh, they kept going after me because they didn't have a master's. None yeah. of the other guys had a master's degrees either. Uh, one yeah. guy, I think Dave Scott had one, but none of the other guys had master's degrees. Right. You know, all of them had aeronautical engineering, like all the rest of the guys. Sure. You know? uh, and I, I, you know, when I told what I led the president, I said he's got to have a PhD. Mm-hmm. Yes. Bob got a, <laughs> it was, when Bob got appointed, he was the only candidate in that yeah. group that had a PhD. And, you know, and it had to be Phil Graydon and the natural did made him major. Yeah. Uh, you know, same way they did me, they gave him all the stuff. If you're going to be this astronaut guy, yeah. you got to have all the credentials and, uh, and everything. So, and Bob had them. I mean, he had the credentials yeah. and stuff. And uh, apparently he was a, a pretty neat guy. I, I yeah. don't think uh, Bob was a fighter pilot. Though. Right. And that uh, kind of, uh, you know, raised... Uh, my consciousness about mm-hmm. uh, because of the manner which were how you got killed and stuff like that. Yeah. In uh, a jet. Yeah. Very sad. Uh, another uh, corollary to that is um, ironically, there's a white astronaut named Ed White. Yeah, no. <laughs> You're the black astronaut, Ed Dwight, you know, and Ed White, was the first American to walk in space because the Russians had done it before, but he was the first American to walk in space. And many people in the black community thought that Ed Dwight had just walked in space. <laughs> well, I, I, I got a letter. Congratulations. Yes, congratulations, brother. You did it. You walked in space, man. You got him. I know, but there's a fascinating story uh-huh. about that. Uh, Ed wasn't so hot on this black astronaut thing. You know, yeah. and, uh, and and he was a neat, neat, neat guy. I mean, yeah. he, he didn't have that Jaeger syndrome. He was sure. just an all-around good guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he and I never talked to the, with the, any interface that yes. he had. But I, I do know that he thought that uh, the idea was okay, but it was mm-hmm. too soon. You mm-hmm. know, they should have waited longer and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. After he had walked in space, he he found me mm-hmm. in Wright Patterson Air Force Base. Flew uh-huh. in and brought me two boxes. Wow! Fan mail. He said, These wow. are yours. He brought them to you personally. Yeah. Oh yeah. Wow. And and he brought he brought him. He said, Ed, you know what? And they and we talked. Uh-huh. He said, you know what? I thought this was the dumbest ass idea of bringing you into this program, and I thought that was mm-hmm. stupid. You know, I'm just going to tell you the truth. But after getting this mail and reading it, mm-hmm. I understand what Kennedy was trying to do. Wow. And, I'm fully behind, you know. And I was in Wright Patterson at that time. Yeah. And I still have I still have that box. So he was he was moved from the reading the correspondence of just regular people yeah. who it meant yeah. so much to them yeah. and it yeah. it kind of changed his but, opinion but, of them. But but, but I, I just thought it was hilarious. And then yeah. 
Ed and I became even closer because he was in the Gemini program. Yes. And I and I was a zero G pilot yes. at Wright Patterson oh, for wow. training. Okay. And and so uh <laughs> this is really funny. Uh, Ed was he it, like I said, he was a really he was an engineer there. Yeah. When graduate, he, he had all the stuff. He had the right stuff. Yeah. Uh, and so what, what, what happened? I, on one of our missions, we were uh, uh, doing all the research for eliminating in space. In other words, taking the Yes, 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 yes. Doing them too. <laughs> yeah, a lot and, of controversy um, over there with some of those guys. So, so, so what happened mm-hmm. was, we, what we have to go, and it has to be done under zero D conditions. Yes. Okay? And we can't even start. And with a bell that we rang, and I, I, you know, I'd get the airplane up, and, and then I go zero to the red light came on. Yeah. And so what, what he was sitting in, uh, he, he would be sitting in a, 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 a Gemini mock-up. Yeah. Now, the spacesuit at that time had seven layers. Okay. Now, uh-huh. uh, you, you know, when, 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 when the penis gets cold, it shrinks. <laughs> and so the idea, the idea, we got 33 <laughs> seconds. Shrinkage. Uh, to have him, and you can't start until the bill comes. Because there's 33 got, seconds got, when they're weightless because of the right, of the, and so you got you got to yeah. unzip all these zippers. Oh my god! And you got to dig down in there, uh-huh. and you got to find this thing. And and, and this that was a 21 year old engineer kid. Yeah, and it and the engineer does it look like a little chalice, you know, oh. like a wine glass, and they have a, a, a string on it. I mean, a pipe, a hose on it yeah. for your pee. Uh, but on the inside of it, it has a real sticky substance. And if you could get your weenie anywhere close to that, it, <laughs> yeah. it, it would stick. And there was a vacuum cleaner that sucked oh, it in. Oh, man. Oh. And then you could pee, right? Oh. And, and so we could never get his thing out. That's so, and so funny. Uh, and so in one of our previous meetings, I said, I, said, I got in there. Uh, first of all, we got to see if this thing works. So yes. we'll worry about getting the weenie out later. <laughs> and so. Right. So and so and so I I came up with this idea of tying a string on the end of his weenie. Good. Sounds good. And, you know, and they have the I string can see you pitching out. that. Ed, we're gonna tie yeah. a string on the end of your weenie. That's what we're gonna do. Oh, thanks. Thanks, Ed. No problem, Ed. The problem was getting it out after you had unzipped the zippers. So if you pull that right. string and you can just pull it right on out, get it in the cup, Smart. and you're off and running, man. And so and so and then when we got to number two. And we had we had four brown spacesuits oh that, that were hanging on the, on the hangers in there. Where it, it went everywhere, but the right place oh, back in the spacesuit. <laughs> oh, God, that's and terrible! So, and so, and so I, I remember this thing there said, "You know, God, if, how are we going to get to the moon if we yeah. can't get the crap?" <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> That's crazy. That's great. And, That's... and he was—he was just so—he was just mad at everybody. I mean, he yeah. pisses all out. You guys gotta yeah, get yeah. it together. Yeah. That's I great. Said, That's well, a great you know, story. Yeah. And then, of course, uh, he was part of the three that unfortunately yeah. perished on the uh, on the launch pad in the first. I was really uh, bothered. I was really Apollo bothered mission. It was hit by Gus Grissom. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And I can't remember the other astronaut's name. So that was very a very sad ending to that, which right. ironically started re- helped NASA to refocus and restart the Apollo program. But it was very tragic yeah. for those yeah. guys to well, just burn in that pad. Well, we had a lost- one guest system. See, see, you see, you see, the Russians had a two gas system. 
Yeah. You know, so they didn't have to worry about that kind of stuff. And, and, and that, there was a lot of controversy in the program about us doing this one gas system, uh, you know, and, and of course, uh, pure oxygen is highly volatile. I mean, it just, yeah. it just explodes. It was too volatile in there, yeah. And, and, uh, and they changed yeah. a lot of things because of that. Let me yeah. ask you this, because I really yeah. appreciate you being here. And with this yeah. is like the longest pod that we've had. Part of it, you know, yeah. I just, I really yeah. just wanted to have a chance to talk to you and just kind of yeah. Uh, yeah. let people listen to, to your story and that type of thing. Did you, did you continue to follow NASA in the years after? Did, did you, uh, like when Guy Bluford, when he eventually uh, went into space oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. and those guys, yeah. did you have any correspondence with he or, or McNeil or any of those guys? Uh, well, I, I, Guy and I were real close. I had done a sculpture of, of his aunt, aunt for yeah. the library in Kansas City. So, so oh, about it. Wait, before you say that, your his second act, which we don't even have time for, is you become <laughs> you you become a sculptor. So you come back to art after all these years, right oh, when you yeah. started. You become this great artist, and you have all these sculptures everywhere. And, and I'm looking at some behind you right now. And uh, and you did a and Guy Bluford, who became the first African American to eventually go into space. Uh, you did a sculpture for his mom. His aunt. His, his aunt. aunt. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, yeah, and the, and the Bluford Library is named after her. Yeah. She's a star journalist. Wow. Back in the day, I mean, she was it, man. Yeah. Uh, she 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 should have gotten uh, a Nobel Prize for literature yeah. or something like that. So we yeah. was absolutely brilliant. But yeah. but but I know Guy and I ended up being really really close. We, we're on tour together. Him uh-huh. talking about space and me talking about art. Oh, you that's know, great. We, we got, you know, art to science. That's uh, great. And, I love know, that. I love yeah. that. And and the kids would he go up first and the kids would ask him all the yeah. questions and then I'd come in and t- tell them uh, about art and the science yeah. part of art all that kind of stuff, and yeah. all these things really fit together. Uh, That's you great. Know? So he and I had a good time. And oh, so, okay. but but but, but guys are boys. Really, really, really close. But what you know the, what? I, yes, I sir. Say this quick. Mm-hmm. Uh, after watching the uh, the guy Bluford phenomenon, you know, and I'm, I was mm-hmm. an intense watcher of that, and you asked me the question. Mm-hmm. And I saw what happened to him in a way, because mm-hmm. this guy should have statues all over this. Country. Absolutely, thousand okay. percent. I agree, right. thousand percent. You know, if you and, mention and, his name, you know, people go who? And mm-hmm. you know, I, I mean, I look at some of our our black organizations that have yes. shoot all all these awards. Yeah, nothing. They didn't even recognize this man. Yeah. You know, I said to myself, well, maybe it wasn't so bad after all, because if if I would have experienced that fate after. After going through what, what Bluford did, uh, why wouldn't uh, you know? And, and I, I would be willing to bet I get ten times the fan mail that Guy Bluford gets. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and, and it was never it was the black community never followed him. Yeah. The black community never gave him his props. They gave him nothing. And the yeah. only place he's been honored is the white community. It's so crazy. And it happened during the Reagan administration, which. So people didn't want to celebrate right. that, I think, too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is crazy. Well, and so I said to myself, well, if that was my fate, I, I didn't miss anything because I, I wouldn't be doing art. I'd be walking walk around being the first yeah. black astronaut in space. You know, yeah. Like, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I, I might have a podcast or something. Yeah, well, it's not too late for that. Well, Ed, thank you so much for sitting here with us. And like I said, I wanted to take the extra time for this. It's been an extraordinary year, and I wanted to end it on a note talking to who I feel is an American hero in my eyes. Uh, You, sir, (laughs) uh, deserve all the praise and credit for 
going through that fire and coming out on the other side. So I just want to thank you personally for that. Okay. Well, I love it. I, I still don't know how you found me, but uh, I'll, I'll that. <laughs> I was ashamed of myself for not knowing your story. And I was, you know, as I do, I go, oh, let me let me watch this space special. I do that all the time. You know, let's see yeah, if they're right, doing anything right. different. And right. I was watching this one and they told you a story. I go, wait, what? What is this? You know, I thought Hidden Figures showed me everything. What's going on here? This is like the biggest hidden figure ever. It's hiding right in plain sight. You know, it was fascinating. So then I went down a rabbit hole to learn all about you. You know, and I said, I have to talk to Dwight on my show. You know, I have yeah, to have him. Yeah, well, dude, I, you know, I really appreciate it. Trust me. I mean, yeah. this is this is a highlight. This is a real highlight, buddy. Well, thank you so much, Ed. I wish you all the best, you and your family. And uh, and guys, go down, go down your own rabbit hole. Take a look at some uh, Ed sculpture too online too. It's got some some great stuff out there for you to see. And uh, let's hope we can, as you say, for you and Guy, Mister McNeil, who perished in the Challenger mm-hmm. uh, right. exercise, yeah. uh, Mate Jamison, a lot of our black astronauts, you know, who mm-hmm. really deserve some more, you know, accolation out there and yeah. some more, yeah. you know. Yeah. We need some more schools named after some of these people. Sure. And, no, we do. seriously. And the know, aspiration it, of that, you know, you came right. up in a time where, you know, right. education and those libraries and those books, that was the way out of your situation, you know. Fantastic. Ed Dwight, everybody. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. If you're busy like me and you're trying to catch your kids' games, it's important to have somewhere where you can go to find a good hotel. We're all over the place. Sometimes, you know, we're in Florida, we'll be in New York, we want to take the wife on a quick vacation and get away. Whether you're looking for a relaxing getaway or heading out of town to see the playoffs, Hotels.com app has a perfect hotel for every trip. Compare up to five hotels side by side so you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings without having to switch back and forth between options. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today.